This is Jocko Podcast number 406 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. Also joining us tonight is JP Dunell. What's up, y'all? Good evening, JP. (laughs) Uh, Seal, point man, lead sniper in Delta Platoon Task Unit Bruiser, close quarters and urban combat instructor at Tradet, chief training officer at Echelon Front, and of course, my brother, JP. Thanks for coming down. Uh, We are going to talk today about a book. Well, a new a new book, an expanded edition of a book, a book that I wrote called Leadership Strategy and Tactics Field Manual. This is the second edition, the new edition, the expanded edition that's out there. And there was a time, actually, when this book wasn't out yet, but someone at Echelon Front had found the file for the book on our shared drive, like where I was, where I was writing it, and had shared it. Uh, that's when I knew that the book was gonna resonate with people because the team was reading it and like teaching it and using it and implementing it. So that's leadership strategy and tactics field manual. It's the reason it's a field manual is it's something that you can just refer back to. Like in the military, you have field manuals and you get to a operation that you haven't done in a long time or you haven't done in a while. You can just go to a field manual and look up, okay, what am I supposed to do here? Or you're having a problem with a weapon system. You can go to the field manual and figure out what that problem is and you can get it fixed. And that's kind of the way that I wrote this leadership strategy and tactics field manual. So there you go. JP, what do you think of this book? I think it's great. It's a great resource and tool. I know I've used this book many times over the years, just um, you know, working through some problem that I had as just a human. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I mean, that, like you were just saying, the field manual, it's a resource for you to be able to go back to and, and, and look up and see what's going on. And there's be times where I'm working through something personally, or somebody would reach out to me and say, Hey, I have this going on. And I would use it as a reference to what I think the answer was. And I go back and I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. I align with that. And there's other times I go back and be like, man, I was my perspective was off on this and I'd have to actually think about it and say, okay, you know, this is what's in the, in the training manual. How was I off based on this and kind of evaluate it, but it's, it's a great resource and tool. Um, you, cause at the end of the day, leadership is a solution to every problem that we have. That's one of the things that we teach at echelon front. It's one of our core, core values and beliefs is leadership is a skill set and leadership is the solution. So I look at the, the training manual as a tool and a resource. It's helped me with my skill sets as a leader, as an instructor, and as a member of the Echelon Front team. But it's also a great resource for not only developing my skill set, but finding the answers and then broadly being able to expand my horizon in regards to my my thoughts on leadership and different scenarios and understanding like, hey, my perspective is flawed. Let me look at this from a different perspective. And it's, it's really helped, I would say, probably open up uh, the way I look at things in life. And um, man, I, I can't tell you the amount of people I have referred to this book. Um, I usually have a few of these on hand. I order 10 of them at a time from Amazon and just have in my house and I give them to people. And I mean, we had a guy come and do some maintenance uh, at our new house and some stuff. And, you know, just talked to him a little bit about some stuff and went and grabbed the book, signed it, gave it to him. I said, Hey, you know, my boss wrote this book. This is going to help you. I mean, I give out this book regularly. And the reason why I give it out is because it has value. And I know it's going to provide value to somebody's life, no matter what they have going on in their life. 
they will be able to use the book. And I'm excited for this new expanded version. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and that's definitely the feedback that I get is people like, yeah, this is what I this is what I have on my desk. This is what I have on my nightstand. This is what I keep in my locker. You're like, this is the book that people can go, oh, I, what's going on? Why am I thinking this way right now? What's this problem? What's, what's my boss's problem? What's my subordinate's problem? What's my buddy's problem? What's my wife's problem? What's my husband's problem? Why are they so messed up? And they pull out the book and they're like, oh, hold on a second. Yeah, one of my buddies from church, he, you know, he's in the Air Force and now he works for Lockheed Martin and um, and he just got a promotion and I was talking to Brian about some stuff and this was the first thing I said, hey, it was like, hey, I know you've read Extreme Ownership, I know you know the principles, have you read the field manual, Leadership Strategy and Tactics? He's like, no, not yet. I'm like, order the book right now <laughs> and then I saw him I don't know, I think maybe it was like a week later and I brought him a, like a copy of it. And he had already ordered it, I think, but I didn't care. Like, hey, cool, two is one, one is none. Like, <laughs> and, or go, go give it away. Like, I didn't care if he already had one. Um, and it's just the value, that's the value I see in this book. And everybody that's read the book, they say the same thing. Like, man, that book was was incredible. And obviously the base and foundation of, of what we do at Echelon Front is out of extreme ownership and economy leadership. And this just gives different perspectives and ideas and, and ways to handle those problems. Yeah, and it's very pragmatic. It literally, there's sections of this book that actually tells you what you should say here. Yep. It's like, oh, you're in the scenario, here's, don't say this, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Say this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, at least give you an example of, oh yeah, you're talking this way, that's not good. You should do it this way, that's gonna be better. Yeah. So it's very pragmatic and very, uh, Implementable is that a word? Echo Charles, check with you. In sure. Echo Charles Dictionary, sure. we're a word. Yeah, we're yeah. a word. You know that's why I get some leeway with your your approval over there. Yes. So I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Very implementable. The book. I mean, whether that's a word or not, I know I'm going to start <laughs> using it. And you know who will correct us? Leif Babin. Oh, is he he'll come in hot. No, he'll no. I mean, well, you know, I grew up with a speech impediment, and sometimes I mix up my words and I'll make up words. And, and I, I have was, heard you make up words yes. before. <laughs> <laughs> the cool thing is, well, there's two things. Number one, I, like I went to school uh, and studied studied English in college, right? Yeah. The the English language is made up of made up words. Yeah. There's words that just get developed out of whether it's convenience, like people blur two words together, or they're trying to describe something that really hasn't been exist in existence before, but they know what it means. So whenever you use some weird word that I know doesn't exist, everyone in the audience nods their head yes. because they understand what you're talking about, yep. even though this word has never been used before. Yep. <laughs> and it's funny because sometimes I'll do it and I'll pause, or somebody will kind of look at me and I'll just stop and be like, that wasn't a real word, was it? <laughs> and everyone, it's funny because of the position I'm on the stage and I'm speaking to them, like people feel like they need to like back me up on it. I'm like, no, it's okay. <laughs> I, you know, I, I make up words sometimes. It's a really cool gift to have when you speak for a living and everyone laughs. And I've had a few people go, well, hey, it's a real world. It's a real word now. It makes sense. Yep. And, but I, Leif and I were doing a workshop one time and, um, he pulls me aside on break. He's like, hey, you keep saying this. He goes, that's not an actual word. I'm Did like, you remember what the word was? No, I feel like we talked about this on one of the other podcasts. Mm. I have like tried to just remove it from, oh, okay. um, man, there's an actual video. I was speaking at an event and I used the word and they had captioning <laughs> of it and they typed out the <laughs> word <laughs> on the captioning. Um, man, I'll, I'll, I'll think about it. We have it, to figure that out. No, it was awesome. But in in, in like, 
good, true leadership form like Leif, like he just pulled me aside and was like, hey man, just, he goes, it's not a big deal. I've, nobody notices. He's like, I'm just giving the feedback so that you can correct it uh, if you want. And I'm like, well, if it's not an actual word, I actually <laughs> want to correct it. <laughs> so your, your word, um, Implementable. We'll implementable. 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 That kind of sounds like a word, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It flies. It well, we're going with it. Well, all right. I wanted to uh, jump into this book a little bit. And so so there's additional material. I added a bunch of information into this book. And I want to go into some of that right now. Read this excerpt, which it's going to, this is going to give you some background on kind of the way things develop in my head and then kind of go out into the world a little bit. Uh, so I'm going to read a little, one of the new sections in the book, Leadership Strategy and Tactics, here we go. This section's called Developing Leadership Instincts. Shortly after the release of Leadership Strategy and Tactics Field Manual, I was at the council, an exclusive event where several members of the instructor staff of Echelon Front, my leadership consulting company, were joined by about 20 successful leaders from around the world who work in a broad spectrum of industries. We do these events one or two times a year, spending three days at a remote site in the mountains discussing leadership issues, challenges, and solutions. Because the group is small, we are able to drill down, get very granular, and spend time on aspects of leadership we may not have previously explored in depth. The conversations are generally based around stories from our collective experiences. We explain specific situations we've been in, the problems we've faced, and how we've worked through them. On the second day, during our afternoon session, Leif Babin, our co my co-author on extreme ownership and the dichotomy of leadership, told a combat story from our time together at SEAL Team 3, where I had made a decision that kept our troops from getting into a potential crisis. Soon after, Andrew Paul, another former SEAL Team 3 officer who is now a leadership instructor at Echelon Front, told a story where my decision allowed our SEALs to get out of a bad situation unscathed. Finally, Jamie Cochran, our chief operating officer at Echelon Front, recalled a business decision I had made that saved us a significant amount of money and simultaneously helped our client. To me, these stories reinforced the fact that everyone on the team knew that decision-making was the crucial front function of leadership and that, just as we teach at Echelon Front, leadership is the most important thing on the battlefield in business and in life. But after this session, two of the attendees pulled me aside. They wanted to talk to me, or more accurate, Accurately, they wanted to compliment me. They retold the stories they had just heard and emphasized the decisions I had made. They flattered me, noting my decisiveness in each situation and commending the inherent leadership ability they thought I was so clearly born with. I was a bit taken aback at first, but as they continued to commend my leadership acumen, I simply nodded and thanked them for their kind words. My ego could not have been more delighted. And as I walked back to my cabin, my ego smiled with satisfaction and whispered kind words into my brain. You are such an incredible leader. Your leadership skills are unmatched. You truly are a great natural leader. This is what it's like to be born a leader. I almost started to believe it. As my ego, like most egos, is very persuasive, but it didn't last long. I know my ego is a liar. So I pushed back. I knew that I had not always been decisive, and I knew that I had made many bad decisions as a leader. And I knew that I was absolutely not simply born with the ability to make consequential decisions. It was something that I had learned through trial and error. 
Decision making was a process I had developed, a mental checklist that over time had become so automatic that I was barely cognizant of it anymore. So I pulled out my notebook and reviewed the exact steps I work through when I need to make a decision. After a few minutes, I'd written down my methodology in a checklist that I run through over and over again as I think through a decision. So the checklist is not a static one-time process, but is actually a loop that I repeat over and over again. An hour later, we reconvened the group and I explained this thought process I used to make decisions, which is the backbone of how I lead. Making decisions and then steering as subtly as a situation allows those decisions into execution is what leadership consists of. I call this process the extreme ownership leadership loop. While most of the components of this checklist should certainly be familiar from my books and podcasts, assembling them together into a checklist protocol that guides decision making is something people have found very useful. It forces leaders to continually analyze the decisions they are making, constantly considering if the decision makes sense in a comprehensive way that is in keeping with the principles of extreme ownership. Here are the components of the loop. Time. The laws of combat leadership cover, move, simple, prioritize, and execute, decentralized command, ego, and humility, emotions, perspective, mission, tactical and strategic, relationships, and then repeat. These are my primary considerations when making a leadership decision. So, that's a, a kind of an interesting story yeah. um, that happened. It was actually two years ago, I think, at the council. That this, it wasn't this past council. It was the one before. And it was so weird. The other thing that I didn't write about was when these guys were talking to me. Are you sure it wasn't at the first council? It might have been at the first council. It was at the first one. Okay. Yeah. Well, so it's three years ago. Three years ago. The other thing that after when I got back to my cabin and I was kind of like thinking how awesome I was. I was also, you know, as my ego, I started putting my ego in check. I'm also like, hey, wait a second. If all this stuff is just a natural capability, then we can't teach. Then you can't teach it. And I know I've taught it. I know we've taught it to thousands and thousands of people. It's not like being tall, right? Like I can't help you be tall, Echo. Like you just, (laughs) like you you just are what you are, bro. You're just gonna have to deal with it. Yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true, and it's the same thing with leadership. It's leadership is not just you're not just born with it. And that was another component that made me think, hold on, there's, there was another uh, inflection point in my head that I said, hey, this isn't just your ego. Look at this. If, this, if this was really what you were born with, you can't teach it. So what good are you and why have you been able to teach this to so many people? So that's kind of where it came from. That's awesome. Um, before we get into the loop, we're gonna go through the components of the loop. I wanna make, take a minute to talk about these lines in the book. It says, I explained this thought process I use to make decisions, which is the backbone of how I lead. Making decisions and then steering, and it's in parentheses here, it says, as subtly as the situation allows, end parentheses, those decisions into execution is what leadership consists of. And this is a part, it's in parentheses. And I think a lot of people have this, not even in parentheses, that thought's not even there. This idea of, of leading as subtly as the situation appears. I often use, and we often use the phrase minimum force required, right? So from a leadership perspective, if you gotta be barking orders, that's a problem. 
it doesn't land right. And what does it mean if you have to bark at everyone telling everyone what to do? That's just not good. Leading with the, as subtly as the situation allows, with the minimum force required, that's what we're doing. Th- that's what we're doing. And I, I know, so JP, look, are there times when you when when you as a leader have to step up and like, this is what we're doing and you gotta make that perfect clear? Yes, there are. Yeah. But um, you've seen me all in all kinds of situations over the years. For how long? What, since 2015? No, it's been since 2004. Or sorry, 2005, 2004? Yeah. 2005. Because we didn't no, meet yeah, until 2005. No, yeah, sorry, sorry, 2005. April, I was thinking the fourth month of the year. Okay. April, excuse my brain. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> April of 2005 is when I first met you. That's when you came in to be our task unit commander. And so you've seen me through all that, mm-hmm. and then at Trade It, and then at Echelon Front, and you've, You've seen that this is what I do. You've seen me do things where I've had to be like, hey, everyone be quiet, this is what we're doing. You've seen that? Yeah. You've also seen like, like, looked around and been like, hold on a second, we're actually doing something that I thought I thought of, but this is actually Jocko's idea like two months ago and now we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> he never said a word about it. Mm-hmm. You've seen all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, as you've grown up, as you've gotten older, as you've been in more and more senior leadership positions, uh, ha- how have you developed more subtle leadership? How have you noticed it? What part does it play in your day-to-day life? Um, you know, for, for me, it's just, it's, it's the reminder uh, that the indirect approach wins. And, yep. and, and for me, um, seeing that from you and then over the years, seeing that from Leif and Seth and other, and then just especially with what we do at Echelon Front, like I, it's, you never said the indirect approach back when I was working for you in the teams. Like you didn't use mm-hmm. that verbiage. At least I don't remember us yep. ever having a conversation or me yep. hearing you talk about it, but you did it. Yep. And so it's one of those things where that's what you saw. So you're like, all right, cool. I should maybe try to emulate that. And I remember you did you did pull me aside, you and one of the other senior chiefs that was, that was running training. And you're like, hey man, when you're like yelling and screaming at these guys, like I, you're like, I get it. Like I understand why you're mad and frustrated, but like, that doesn't work that doesn't work at the level that it could work you know and you also have to remember like these guys are your bros and these are your teammates so how you talk to them and for me that was just like oh okay like i don't need to be yelling and screaming at people because what we what we look at because of movies and or like you know coaches and teachers and people over the years like people think like a the the good leader is a guy that's sitting up front or the gal that's sitting up front like hey listen up i'm in charge and everyone's like, okay, cool, yep, Echo's in charge, and they're gonna go run over there. But that's actually not what good leadership is. And what I've seen over the years, and I try to do, is the indirect approach and just asking questions and asking people what they're thinking and getting their insights and their opinions. And you know, you can use questions to guide people to, to get where they need to be to where they see the answer themselves. And they're like, oh yeah, that actually this is how we should do it. And then when you've done that with me over the years, it's then it's, one of those things where it's now my idea and I'm going to have ownership over it. And, you know, my wife and I, we do that with our kids. And it's yeah. like, hey, do you think, you know, boom, boom, boom. And they're like, well, you know, and it's like, okay, there's going to be a little bit of pushback. And that's fine. It's not because they're being defiant, but you're dealing with other humans. And they think their ideas are the good way to do it. And their egos getting involved. And so you're just massaging that ego by saying, no, I'm not, I'm not saying this is a horrible idea. Like, what are your thoughts if we did it this way? Or, hey, what about this? And then you slowly guide them towards that. And so the indirect approach always wins. Um, and it's something that I've been 
trying to be more mindful of. Cody's really good at that. You know, the guys that all the guys and gals that we work at Echelon Front are, are good at implementing it and using it. And sometimes like it can be to the point where like Meg and I were doing an event the other day and it was like this back and forth and she goes, Okay, we can do this for the next forty minutes. She goes, Let's you know, what do you think about this? And I'm like, I like it. Let's go. <laughs> and it was just Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, the, the kids thing, and I just got done with an event, and I ended up with some of the families, actually, from this, this group. And it was interesting because the kids were in the room. Kids probably between the ages of, let's call it, seven and maybe all the way up to like 20-year-old kids. So it was, yeah. And then the parents were in there, That's and incredible. they were asking me questions. And you know, I was, I was telling them this. Mm-hmm. I said, listen, the more you empower your kids, the better human being you're making. And you want your kids, look, do you, uh, I I use the old, uh, let your kids brush up against the guardrail as a failure. Oh, your kids wanna stay up all night and play video games? Okay, cool. you still have to get up in the morning. Mm -hmm. You still have to do your chores in the morning. Like You can stay up all night if you want to, but that doesn't mean you get to sleep all day. That means you function as a human being. (laughs) Treating your kids as adults, and look, I'm not getting crazy, don't go extreme with this, but Oh, your kids don't want to help clean up? Cool, they don't get to eat. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, no, well, your kids, are, first of all, your kids are not going to starve to death in one day. Yeah. And believe me, after they miss lunch because they didn't want to clean up, they'll be cleaning up for dinner and they'll get to eat. Yeah. But just, just setting up some consequences, some life consequences. And hey, this is what's going on. Like, you know, your mom is not a slave that is here to just clean up after you. Yeah. And so you either help clean up or you don't get to eat. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever. Okay, cool. Let's see how that works out for you. Those kids yeah. get hungry. Yeah. <laughs> we. It's very rare. <clears throat> it's very rare that Amanda and I will actually have to, have to tell our kids, hey, go to sleep now. Mm-hmm. Very rare. Most of the time it's like, hey, this is what time it is. Do you think it's time that we start getting ready for bed? And they're mm-hmm. like, well, you know. And I'm like, hey, like this is when you have to get up. And they do the math and they'll be like, Oh yeah, I need to go to bed. Yeah. Because there's been a few times like we're like, all right, cool, you wanna stay up? Awesome. Yeah. You're still waking up the next day and like having a struggle throughout the day. And you know, Amanda's really good at how she handles that because I'm gone all the time and so she has to deal with this all the time yeah. without me. And the way she, Amanda does this indirect approach with our kids is it's incredible. That's like the old trick with uh like, oh, your kid, you know, is smoking a cigarette. And so you make them smoke a whole pack of cigarettes and like yeah. crazy, in buds for me, somebody, I didn't chew tobacco and somebody brought uh, chewing tobacco to San Clemente Island, which you weren't allowed to do. Yeah. Like, and they brought like a full month supply for probably two or three people. And they got us out on the grinder and they started making us do eight count bodybuilders. And then the instructors put dip like packed our mouths full of chewing tobacco. And yeah, I was doing eight count bodybuilders and I'd never done never done chewing tobacco and it was absolutely freaking horrible and disgusting. I'd be puking and I didn't puke, but I never ever had the urge to do chewing tobacco again. That's an extreme example. But yeah, I uh, I know. I think Cody's dad made him do that. Like he like I think something along with cigarette. He's like, all right, cool. <laughs> Took the filter off and made him smoke uh, like a full cigarette or a full pack without the filter. And he's like, bro, I was so sick. Never, never yeah. again. Yeah, and it's just like, ugh. yeah, that's a. Uh, 
that's that's the powerful thing about the indirect approach. And the other thing, when you were talking about people being in charge and like you, the the stereotype is like, oh, they're up and they're telling everyone what to do. When someone's a really good leader, they don't even say they, they never have to say that they're in a leadership position because everybody knows. Everybody just knows. They're not like, hey, listen up, I'm in charge here. Or, hey, as the CEO, you know, like you, when you hear people say that, you're like, uh-oh, this is a problem. Like there's problems. Yeah. There's problems going on. And if you feel yourself wanting to say that or oh. you catch yourself saying, just know that you failed. And the best thing that you can do is immediately apologize. Say, hey, you know what, guys? I'm sorry. I should never have to use yep. my position like for that. Yeah, and then why are you having to do that? Because you're there's, insecure. Yeah, you're insecure, but there's also something wrong with your idea. Yes. If 100%. I'm like, listen, JP, I'm the OIC, I'm the officer in charge, this is the plan we're gonna use. If I have to do that, what's wrong with my plan? Because it's not like JP wants to use a plan that sucks. It's not yeah. like you're like, no, I want us to get uh, in you know, contact with the enemy and get killed. No, you're not thinking that. So if I'm saying, no, this is the way we're gonna do it, and the only way for me to flex that on you is to use my rank, there's something wrong with my idea. Yeah. So, or there's something, or like you said, there's nothing wrong with my ego. Yeah, well, I, and I believe those literally feed into each other because if I know there's something wrong with my idea, but I still wanna run it, I'm insecure about my idea getting exposed because if, if we start talking about my idea and thinking about it and you start asking questions and expose my bad plan, yeah. it's just easier for me to impose my authority so we just go execute it and you're secretly hoping it works and you're yeah. hoping your people are smart enough to adapt and, and it's just, that's the horrible, th I mean, that's what's just, we talk about it all the time, like your ego is, now our ego drives us for sure, but when you can't control and subordinate your ego, that's when bad things happen. It's a problem. Yes, it's a, it's problem. a big problem. All right, um, I think that covers what I wanted to touch on there. All right, let's get into this, the, the leadership loop here, and starting off with this section, time. Time is the first thing I consider when making a decision because it is the one thing I have almost no control over. There is no getting back time once it is lost. Time is also the key driver of the need for many decisions, whether or not to act and how. Time makes some situations get worse. Time makes other situations get better. This, is, this makes time a double-edged sword. Sometimes it helps me, but sometimes it hurts me. So I need to consider what impact time will have on my decision and its outcome. Some people have an objectively good sense of time, and I'm lucky to be one of those people. I constantly hear the clock ticking and I profoundly understand the incessant nature of time. I know that things tend to take longer than it seems they will. I know that wasted time cannot be recovered. I know that time creates pressure and I know what can happen when pressure builds unchecked and explosion. So I am always, so I am and always have been acutely aware of time. Contrarily, some people do not have an accurate assessment of time. They don't feel the clock ticking. They are often late, late to meetings, late to events, late to complete tasks and projects. They repeatedly misjudge how long things will take, estimating something will take 10 minutes when it will take an hour, or that it will take one month when it will take three. They end up in scenarios where the clock applies the kind of pressure that causes things to break. These leaders seldom succeed without having people on their team who, under, who do understand the impact of time. Left on their own, they will lose the battle with time over and over again. I go on to talk about, this is something that I learned, right? Like, I hate the feeling of fighting against time because you can't stop it. Yeah. And the only way to, to, 
to not have that feeling because there's nothing there's nothing you can do about it there's nothing you can do about it the only way you can overcome that is to be ahead of it mm-hmm. that's why when it comes to decision making time is always the first thing that i think about like do i need to make this decision now how much time do we have that's the first thing i think about because once it goes it's gone yeah that idea of the power curve I talked about it with Dave Dave Burke. Good deal, Dave. Yeah, good deal, Dave Burke. It's a thing from flying, right? And it's like at a certain speed, you have to, you have to be going a certain speed with an aircraft in order for that thing to fly yeah. and not fall out of the sky. And your engine can also hold you up like by applying power so that you're moving forward enough. But at a certain point, you're not going fast enough. There's not enough movement over the wings. And they call that the power curve. And if you get behind the power curve, you can't recover. You crash. So you can't get behind the power curve. And I first heard that. I didn't know that it came from aviation. But in the SEAL teams when I was young, they used that expression a lot. Like, oh, you're behind the power curve. And once you get behind the power curve, bro, it's like you can't catch up. Yeah. It's like when you're doing jujitsu and you get behind the Like someone's initiating offense on you and you're trying to ca- and you just all of a sudden you're just behind and you can't catch up. You're going down. I feel triggered right now. <laughs> I feel like you're exposing my jujitsu game. <laughs> triggered. And, and I, some people might take a little bit of uh, uh, issue with me saying you can't control time because, of course, I can say like, "Well, you know, we, you know, I get up early and I'm going to get this done ahead of time." And you can, you can, but you're still not controlling time. That clock is still freaking ticking. You can't. And there's nothing time. you can do to stop it. Like you said, the only thing you can do is try to get ahead of it. The only thing you can truly do with time is make the most of it. Yep. Is just understand, hey, this is what I have. I'm going to make the most of it. And if that's, you know, just understanding what the priorities are in your life, like that's what you can do with time, but you actually can't control it. And people that get offended by that are the ones that understand that they've been wasting time and that they're not willing to be disciplined enough to make the most of that time. Those are the only people that are going to get offended by saying, oh, you can't control time. Well, I'm sorry, but that's factual. Yeah. So, yeah. Wasted time is like a sin. It, it really is. It actually is. Yeah. It's in Proverbs. I don't know the exact like chapter and verse, but it it's in the Bible. Like wasting time, he says, "You lazy bones." He talks about how how ants prepare, even though like it. Ah, it's gonna drive me crazy, but mm-hmm. yes, it is. It is a biblical principle. So it is a sin. Yes, to waste time. Because think about it. This is a gift that God's giving. For sure. Like God's saying, "Hey, I'm giving you this time. I'm giving you this opportunity. Go." And you're just like, ah, "I don't know. I'm just gonna." Ah. That's re- it's ridiculous. That's why one of our mindsets for victory is default aggressive because mm-hmm. our natural tendency is delayed action. Mm-hmm. Our natural tendency is delayed action. However, if we're being default aggressive, making the most of the time that we have with us, like that's what we need to be doing. Yeah, we were on uh, the academy call the other day, and the topic on the academy call was how to stay focused at work. And we got on this tangent where people were asking questions like, "Well, you know, m- you know," it was kind of funny because it's on a call with a bunch of people that believe in the principles of extreme ownership. Yeah, and. Everyone kind of started saying like, well, you know, the thing is with the phones these days and it's the email chimes and they got so many and the collective, there was a collective blame on the phone. Zero ownership. Zero ownership. And I was, and, and this one guy was like, you know, we put apps on and I said, finally, I was like, hey, everybody, we're all sitting here saying that the phone is the problem. Not the, not the phone's problem. It's your problem. It's my problem. It's our problem. 
And that phone is going to keep doing what that phone does. And if you keep listening to that phone and you keep looking at that phone, guess what's going to happen? All your time is going to be wasted. That's what's going down. So don't waste any time. That's what I got. I also quoted uh, BC. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Do it, it'll be done. Do it, it'll be done. Because for me, one of the things that is in for the, the way my personality is, if I have to do something tomorrow, like if something is due tomorrow, mm-hmm. I have to get it done tonight. Like I won't, like preparing for a podcast, if we're recording a podcast tomorrow in the afternoon, I can't go to sleep mentally until it's ready today. Mm. I just can't. There was another thing, right, that you brought, uh, what you do, looming. Yeah, looming. I don't like looming Bro, things. I never forgot that. And it's true, it's just another version of do it and it'll be done. It's kind of like mm-hmm. they're, you know, kind of uh, related, yep. you know, in that way. But that goes deep. Do it and it'll be done. It goes deep. Because, oh, like, yeah. the feeling I always got was be like, when it really landed, uh-huh. be like, oh, yeah, it is done when you already did it, you know? Yep. I'm so glad I did that. <sighs> Big one daily is like working out, right? Working out in the morning, mm-hmm. which I try to do. I try to work out before lunch. I don't do the 4.30. Sometimes I do. Mm-hmm. But anytime it's early, bro, the feeling later, like after we record, after we do the stuff Gosh. you do during the day, and you're like, holy, I already did my workout. I don't have to work the out best right reward, now. reward, bro. bro. Such a good reward. Do it and it'll be done. And that's, yeah, huge, massive payoff. BC. BC all day. BC all day coming in hot. All right. There's a, in, in Ephesians, Ephesians 5, 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Verse 16, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs amongst yourself and making music to the Lord your hearts and give thanks for everything to God, the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it just talks about more like spirit guided relationships with wives and husbands. But in Ephesians, it talks about it. But I know they're in Proverbs. It does talk about. Well, yeah, I mean, I got Ephesians right here. Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham they are. It's a scandal when people it's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in the darkness where no one else will see. That was Ephesians five eleven. Ephesians five eleven. All right. All right. So we're gonna have to take this from the top and you're gonna have to read. Yeah. Read read five eleven through sixteen. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so I'm gonna go uh Cool. You good? Yeah. You got it prepped? You can actually yeah. just say, uh, here it is. Yeah, here it is. Ephesians um oh, hold on. All right, let's go on to the next one. But before, did you did you pull up that yeah. that biblical quote? Let's yep. hear. It. So I'm going to find the one from Proverbs, but we found in Ephesians five eleven, take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. That is why. It is said, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtless, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Here's a modern version of that. Imagine if you were being filmed and watched all the time, like, uh, what's the sh- Jim oh, Carrey movie, dude. Yes. Truman Show, yeah, or Truman whatever. Show, yeah, right? Yeah. If the imagine if everything that you were doing, people were watching and judging. Mm. 
like the show what, Big Brother. What made me you think about no? What made me think about that is if you're doing things in the darkness, right? The things you do in the darkness, the things that you yeah. don't want people to know you're doing. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. probably wasting a bunch of time. Probably right. Yes. Look, some of it might just be downright freaking. You shouldn't be doing <laughs> nefarious. it. Nefarious. Right. Downright yeah. nefarious. I found it. Proverbs. Proverbs six. Um, all Proverbs six is great, but here it is. Proverbs six six. Take a lesson from ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an unarmed, like an armed robber. What are worthless and wicked people like? They are constant liars, signaling de- their deceit with a wink of an eye, a nudge of the foot, or a wiggle of the finger. Their perverted hearts plot evil, and they constantly stir up trouble. Trouble, but they will be destroyed suddenly, broken in an instant beyond all hope and healing. And then it just keeps going on. I mean, it's awesome. Like Proverbs, Proverbs is great. If yeah. you don't even know where to start in the Bible, just whatever day of the month it is, read that Proverbs. Mm-hmm. Today's the 29th. I'm going to read Proverbs 29 later today. So, um, that right there, they weren't playing around when they wrote that one. It starts no. off saying like, "Hey, you should work hard," and then it's saying you're perverted and evil. <laughs> like it goes straight down, right? And there, like it's, this is where it's and going. It's all factual because that's, that's as humans, yeah, we're flawed. This is where it's going. All right, so don't waste time. Uh, when making a decision, going back to the book, when making a decision, consider time and ask yourself, how much time do I have? When is the deadline? Is there any way to buy more time? <clears throat> how does time impact the situation? What will happen when time runs out? There's, you know, again, is there? T- can I buy more time? Well, how do you do that? You just said you can't control time, but there's times where you can buy more time. Mm-hmm. You can push out a decision, you can make some small adjustments, you can hang on a little bit longer in the current situation. Like there's things you can do to buy more time, but you just have to be cognizant of it. All right, um, the next whole section is very familiar to, to those of us that study and live by the laws of combat leadership. The first one is cover and move. And I read about cover and move in here. Everyone knows what cover and move is now. But when I'm making a decision, I need to make sure that my decision is not going to leave any part or parts of any team unsupported. To leave teams unsupported is all but guaranteeing they will fail. Cover and move also ensures that the team comes first. If I am making a decision that only benefits me, I am clearly not covering the rest of my team. A good leader puts the team above themselves. The team comes first. That is the essence of cover and move. Making sure that your decision allows people and teams to support each other is critical for success. And this is one of those things that I think it was Leif was telling the story. He was listening. I was on a podcast with uh, Jordan Peterson and Leif. I think it was Leif was telling me he's listening to it. And I think Jordan asked me, like, what's a good seal? And he was kind of thinking, like, oh, what's Jock going to say? You know, like, because we never really talked about, like, what makes a good seal. And finally I said, oh, you know, I said, it's not the best shot. It's not the fastest, not the strongest. What makes someone a good seal is when they put the team above themselves, yep. when they don't leave you hanging. When they cover for you, like when they cover for the team, that's what makes a good seal. It's number one law of combat leadership. And this is something that, man, when I recognize this, and this is thanks to, well, 
I mean, I guess Roger Hayden, uh, Vietnam SEAL, who was like, you know, he didn't make some big deal out of it. Like, I was doing something, and he's like, we weren't covering and moving. I wasn't covering for somebody. He's like, you got to cover for that guy. And I was kind of like, and for some reason, it just hit me that, oh, that's that's what you're doing. That's what this whole thing, that's what everything we do is. Like all of our immediate action drills, moving down the hallway and CQ, everything that we're doing, entering a room, everything is based on you gotta cover for your friend. That's what it's all based on. Mm-hmm. When you're going through basic SEAL training, you have a swim buddy. You never leave them. No matter what happens, you support them. You cover for them. So when I'm making a decision, and then it, then it carries out into squads and platoons and teams and that's the way the world works Mm -hmm. and then even when we're working with the army or working the marine corps it's like oh are we doing everything we can to make sure we don't leave them hanging yeah i mean there's operations that we did where it was like you know what we got we we got to do this because the the army needs the marine corps needs us out there we're only gonna tell the marine corps like hey sorry you guys can cover your own no no no, we're not doing chance zero chance so it's a very it's a very important thing to consider when you're making a decision. And there's so many decisions that you can go, oh yeah, I'm gonna leave JP hanging. Can't do it. Think about that. Oh, I'm gonna leave JP hanging on this situation. Yep, I can't do that. I can't do that. It's not a good decision. Oh, I'm gonna provide support to this part of the company, but not that part. Oh, no, no, that's not good. We can't do that. Yeah. So thinking about this is you that's why it's high up in the in the pecking order. Yeah. And I think as as humans, we need to be very intentional with implementing this into who we are. You know, as you're saying this, like one of the guys that helps us out at Echelon Front regularly, um, Josh Strasberger, he helps out with all the musters. He's there at every muster helping out. He helps out at every FTX. This is like, as you're saying that, I'm like, this is Josh. Now I have a lot of friends, a lot of people I could add to this list, but as you're saying, I'm like, this is Josh to his core. And it was just, as you're talking about this, as I'm listening and I'm thinking, he, does what a lot of us as humans need to be more mindful of is he's very intentional about this principle about taking care of around all the people around us. The, uh, the men's event that I went to, I've talked to you about it called pursuit. I've gone back and served and Josh went through and he was serving. And part of that was, he's like, Hey, I'll pick up people along the way that need to get there because he just, you know, that's part of like some of these guys maybe not want to go last minute. It's like, but you know that if I'm picking you up, you're going to be ready. And so that's, he was picking these guys up. And while he was driving, it was last winter when we had some pretty bad storms in Texas, he totaled his truck, like a semi truck almost hit him. He went to move out of the way. It caught ice, spun out of control, totaled his truck. So he gets towed, he takes an Uber to get a minivan rental. He goes and gets a rental vehicle and still picks up everybody and shows up to the event, serves, gets everybody dropped off back home and then is like, all right, I gotta figure out what I gotta do next. Like, you know how many people would have just been like, I'm done, man, hey, hey, I totaled my truck, Echo, I can't pick you up. And you would have been like, all right, man, okay, cool, is everything okay? But instead, he still got the job done and I, I think, if, if we as humans, now everything on this list, we need to be intentional about everything on the list. But if we're not one, obviously the time one is, I hope, very apparent. But if we miss cover and move, all these other things fall apart. And that's why you said it's the, it's the tactic that we use all of the time. Yep. All of the time. And, and I would have loved to have put cover, move, simple, prioritize, next to you, decentralized command as number one. I would have loved to have done that. Yes. Here's the problem. 
you have to think about time first because you might yes. have time. That's the most important thing that you got to handle right now. I might mm-hmm. not have time to make a decision. I might have time to decide between what I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Yeah. So you have to think about time first. But immediately after that, it's like, am I providing support for the people around me? Yeah. And if I'm not doing that, this is probably not a good decision. Yep. There's a probably there's probably an issue with this decision that I'm about to make. And if you move forward with that decision, you are wasting time. Yeah. <laughs> which is the limited resource that we don't have enough of. Yeah. So so often, like you like when we were running trade at, um, you know, a fire team ends up on their own. They're gonna die. Like they're just gonna die. If if they lose support, they're gonna die. It's in the business world too. Oh, we we got this project going and we really can't support this element because they're doing this project that no one really cares about. Cool, you might as well just cut them off and just put them out of their misery. Because when people are alone or when a team's unsupported, they they cannot be successful. So cover, cover so people can move. Uh, Going back to the book here, when making a decision, consider cover move and ask yourself, am I putting the team before myself? Are the teams able to support each other? So in a leadership position, you sometimes, like I I might be saying, Echo, you do this, JP, you do that, but I'm putting you both in isolated areas. Mm-hmm. That's also that's a mistake. You If you, look, it's not necessarily I can't cover for you, but maybe you can't cover for each other. So that's a problem. And then finally, is any person, team, or element being left alone? So there you go, cover and move. Remember that. Next one is simple. The next check I am going to do when making a decision is for simplicity. Complexity is a killer on the battlefield in business and in any leadership situation, so I almost always want to choose the simplest course of action. And this really plays a huge role in the fact that when things go wrong and you have a complicated plan, it's gonna be 10 times worse or 50 times worse or 1,000 times worse. You, you have to keep things simple. And if you're starting to veer into a complicated decision, well, there's gonna be issues. Yeah. Uh, I break it down in the book here. When making a decision, consider the complexity of the situation and ask yourself, and again, I'm, I'm fast forwarding, I forgot to say this, I'm fast forwarding through a bunch of other information here about these topics, but how can I simplify this plan? Is there a simpler solution? Imagine that, you're about to make a decision, you just ask yourself, hold on a second, is there a simpler solution? I can just about guarantee you the simpler solution is better. I can just about guarantee you. You're looking at three different options, which one is the simplest option? Uh, Next one, if this is a complex problem, how can I break it into simple components? Because there are things in the world that are complex. We work with companies that do some incredibly complex things. Sometimes you gotta take complex things and break them into simple components. Um, Next one, am I conveying the plan in a simple, clear, concise manner? And how can I make sure my team understands? So there you go, simple. Yep. Next one, prioritize and execute, third law of combat leadership. Fast forward a little bit here. Trying to solve all problems at once leads to a lack of focus, resources being spread too thin, and too many things happening at the same time. I do not allow that to happen. I prioritize and then execute according to those priorities. There you go. Pretty straightforward. This is an easy one to get to lose your mind on because we're distracted. You know, we talked about your phone distract your phone distracts you, right? But guess what else distracts you? Nine different problems that you got going on. Yeah and they're all pulling at you. And if you try and solve them all, it's not gonna work. 
So get your focus together, prioritize and execute. Um, when deciding how to solve a series of problems, consider them all and ask yourself, what is the highest priority problem I have? Is solving that problem going to have the biggest impact in bringing the team success? You ever seen somebody get sidetracked on a problem that really, it's a complicated problem, yeah, but it's really not gonna have a huge impact? Yep. It's like a breacher at a door and it's a really crazy door to get through and it's gonna take 15 minutes and meanwhile you could have taken two steps to the left and gone through a window in three seconds? Yeah. That happens in life, bro. Like, I'm one of those people that will like, watch for a little bit as people are trying to solve some big crazy problem and then be like, hey, why don't we just not do that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, let's just go around that. Yeah. Let's not, let's just not engage with that client or let's not produce that thing. You know how many times we've been gonna make something and oh my God, it's this big giant freaking problem. It's gonna take so many resources and so much effort and so much time. And it's like, hey, I gotta, let's not make that. That thing, which by the way, was gonna have a tiny amount of revenue, which very niche group of people actually want and need that thing. So why are we putting all this time and effort into something that doesn't really matter? So just because something is a big problem doesn't mean it's an important problem. Yeah. So that's why I put that in there. Is solving that problem going to have the biggest impact in bringing the team success? It's a good question to ask. And then is my decision going to focus the team's resources to get the problem solved? So think about that from a leadership perspective. When you make a decision on something, is that decision going to focus the team? Because that's, or is it gonna scatterbrain them? Is it gonna send them in a bunch of different directions? It should be focusing them. Now I also made a note here, uh, other methods. Because we always talk about, and the primary methodology of prioritize and execute is to take the biggest problem and get that problem solved. You have to tie to that, is it gonna have the biggest impact on the situation? Because like I just said, the biggest problem isn't necessarily gonna have the biggest impact. But there are times where solving some of the little problems and just getting them off the, off the plate, right? Let's get that thing out of the way. There's times where that's a, a beneficial methodology. Sometimes I do that, depending on what the scenario is. But I'll look at all the issues and be like, hold on a second, we could get this thing done in 15 minutes. Let's just get that thing done. Let's get it off the plate. Mm -hmm. And then we'll have this other thing that's gonna take nine minutes, let's get that thing done. And then we'll be able to focus 100% on this big thing that's gonna take three hours. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's a guy I know, he is a, a, a billionaire with the B, right? Legit billionaire. And one of his rules is, if I can get it done in between less than three to five minutes, I do it right now. It's just boom, execute, get it done, get it done. And it gives him the freedom to think strategically for the bigger problems that he knows he's going to have to attack throughout the day. And um, and then, so that just reminded me of that. And I try to remind myself of that. as like, hey, if it can take, if, if this is going to be three to five minutes, like, let's just go get it done. The cool thing with, you know, the next law of combat that you're getting ready to talk about, decentralized command is, hey, can my team be doing some of these things? Can I delegate these smaller tasks that I know my team is more than capable of getting done? So that allows me to look at these bigger pictures more strategically, which feeds back into prioritize and execute of like, okay, hey, what's gonna have the biggest impact to the overall accomplishment of the team, which, feeds into cover move mm -hmm. because then if I'm taking care of my people, my people are number one, then I know I have to get the job done. So yeah. Yep. Uh, here's something else. 
when it comes to priorities. This is like on a daily basis kind of scenario. Thinking about doing the long-term strategic things first. And this is a very difficult thing to do because the easier thing to do and what seems like the biggest thing to focus on is what's due right now, what I gotta do right now. So let me give you an example. I'm writing a book and I'm getting ready for a podcast, right? So I, I have to write a certain amount a day. I gotta write an hour a day, right? I gotta write a thousand words a day, cool. Takes me about an hour. And I've got a podcast that I'm gonna do with Echo Charles tomorrow and I gotta get a book, finish reading a book and taking the notes on the book, okay, cool. And then do the like actual prep. That's gonna take me four hours, five hours, something like that. What? But the podcast is due tomorrow. Yeah. So that's the bigger, bigger priority, right? Clearly. What do I do first? What do you think I do first, Echo Charles? Podcast? Nope. Nope. You're doing that book. You're I'm, writing. I'm doing that book. Mm. And here's why. I'm gonna, the freaking podcast is gonna be done. No matter what. It's gonna be done. I'm, I'm not gonna like, have I ever rolled in here Echo and been like, hey bro, I'm not <laughs> no. quite ready? No. Like, that's not happening. It's gonna get done. You're putting yourself against the wall. Yep. Knowing that you will perform based off of your capabilities. Yep. Got it. I, I know that I can also, like, yeah, you know, the, the podcast is the priority for today. So then guess what? Now instead of taking four or five hours to take, prep that podcast, I'm like, maybe I'm gonna check some emails in there. Right. Maybe I'm looking at like, oh, I'd like to do some little exploration about the freaking whatever, and I start doing some weird tangential thing, mm. and all of a sudden it takes seven hours. Mm. And then I get done, well, you know, I can just, the, uh, the book's not due for another few months, so I don't have to worry about that. I'll right. work extra later. Mm. Oh yeah, you freaking liar. No, you're not. Discipline no. is rooted in the truth yep. that we tell ourselves. Yep. You're a freaking liar. <laughs> <laughs> because now it's like 10 o'clock at night and you're like, okay, yep, you said you're gonna do this. No, well, you know, actually I, I need sleep too and I gotta get up in the morning, I gotta have good, tomorrow's leg day. Like you're just running excuses. <laughs> so what do I do? I do the freaking long-term thing first. Mm. I do the strategic thing first. It's kind of like when, uh, when people talk about saving money, right? They're like, they look at, they make their budget. The first thing you're supposed to do is what they call pay yourself, but it's really pay your future. Like it's, it's put the money in savings first, right? <laughs> you don't say like, hey, I'm gonna buy that new freaking uh, uh, surfboard that I wanted. I'm gonna take my wife out for dinner. I'm gonna make sure that whatever, blah, 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 this other crap. And then whatever's left over, I'm gonna put in savings. <laughs> and if I don't quite have enough, I'll just double it next month, which is a lie. Yeah. No, so you don't do that. You put the long-term stuff first and you get it done. That's how you roll. So, just just some of the other methodologies that you can use with prioritize and execute. The, the thing is that you have to prioritize and execute. You have to look at what's actually happening and to use your word of the day, intentional. You've gotta be intentional about what you are going to focus on. And focusing on things in the proper order that actually makes sense is what you need to do. So there you go. Um, I just smiled when you said it takes you about an hour to type right up a thousand words because mm -hmm. I, I just started doing that the other day. Mm -hmm. And I was like talking about that. And it's funny. It took me right at an hour for yep. a thousand words as well. Yep. And you know what? I just, I mean, I'm writing right now and I wrote a thousand words the other day. And I, my estimation is 750 of them were junk. They were just like, I, I don't even know, it was like I lost my train of thought and I was just being stupid and I was tired and I was playing and whatever. And it was like, 
and I was like, you know, this, and in my mind, I was like, oh, you know what? You're, you're not even, this isn't even worth it right now. That's what my liar, yeah. my little lying uh, loser self was like, dude, this isn't even worth it right now. I was like, oh, check, liar, <laughs> weak. And then I just wrote, and awesome. 250 words were good. 250 words that didn't exist before now exist. That's good. Because I gutted through it. Well, I hope 250 of mine are good too, because it was for my podcast, not just to write for. I'm not writing a book. I know someone heard that, like, hey, yeah. he's, no, no, no. <laughs> but then as I was talking to you, yeah. you're like, hey, like, write the damn book. And I'm yeah. like, dang it. Yep. I don't like it when he says that to me. <laughs> Anyways, I yeah. was just thought it was funny is like the timing and, and just um, going back to like you said, my word of the day is like, I had to be intentional. When I was writing, like, I had to be very intentional when I was, I was typing up and thinking about yep. these things. Putting your long-term goals at the top of your priority. This is the same thing when we talk about strategic think. You got to think strategic all the time. Yep, you absolutely do. You have to think strategic all the time. You have to do. You have to execute on your long-term goals. If you're always executing on the short-term stuff, the do today or do tomorrow, that that stuff is not get you where you want to go. So, think strategic. Act strategic. Prioritize the strategic things in your life. Prioritize your decisions properly. When you're making a decision, look at your priorities, right? So even when I'm deciding, should I do, should I prep podcast or should I write? I have to, I have to think through that decision. What is the priority? Oh, sure. The immediate priority is I got the podcast due tomorrow. The long-term strategic goal is to complete this book, which needs to take hundreds of hours to do. So therefore, I need to prioritize the long-term goal, the strategic goal, and I do that first. That's decision making. That's why that's in this loop. Uh, next one, decentralized command to the book. My goal when making a decision whenever possible to d- is, to, is whenever possible to delegate that the action of solving the problem to one of my subordinate leaders. I know if that if I take direct charge of implementing the solution, I become directly engaged and when I am directly engaged, I am likely, I am likely too close to the problem and might have a hard time seeing the bigger picture. So when I'm making a decision, part of my decision making is can I can I can someone else on my team do this? Like, oh, we got to take down another building we hadn't planned it. Oh, okay. Sure, I can go take down that building. I can be like, "Hey, squad, come with me." Or I can be like, "JP, go take down the building." You're like, "Cool, got it." The minute I go and start trying to take down that building, guess what I'm doing? I'm taking down a building. Now who's looking up and out? Now who's tracking the aircraft? Now who's tracking the other friendly forces? So the minute that you get focused on actually executing something yourself, you've pulled yourself down out of seeing the big picture. So as I'm making a decision, I'm like, okay, can I decentralize this? Can I delegate this? JP, you've had some issues freaking getting out of the weeds. I remember like you're running the entire FTX pro- program at Echelon Front and you're like s- setting up the battery charges for the weapons in your room. And I was like, mm. and you're like, oh. yeah, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I like, I like to work. I like to do the work. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's a good thing. That's a good characteristic to have. You know, I learned to work really hard for my parents. Um, but I also realize that when I'm in a leadership position, if I'm doing all the work, I'm not able to lead. And I have a hard time with that. Um, it's funny that you just brought that up because I was literally sitting here thinking as you're talking about like <clears throat> an indicator, you know, so as, as leaders, we also need to be 
detached and thinking and assessing ourselves. We have to be doing honest self-assessments of ourselves. And yesterday, uh, an indicator to me was, um, you know, I was texting with Justin, who works for us full time at Echelon Front. He's, you know, acting as an executive assistant for me, but also running the all the logistics and the operations for the field training exercises that we run and 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 supporting Cody and all that stuff. And him and I were just texting about just some upcoming FTXs and stuff that was going on. And he said, he was like, man, I feel bad. I didn't, he's like, let me read through the text message where I screwed this up and I didn't communicate this to you. And I said, no, no, no. Like you don't have to, like, I just, I, I was literally talking with one of the other guys randomly about some stuff. And then they made a comment and we just were talking and I, and him and I were bringing it up. And so for me, Justin's reaction to that told me that I'm still a little too hands-on with the guys in regards to the program or I have I, they still feel like they have to feed me all this information and they and they and I just reiterated back to him like hey man dude I trust you 100%. I trust Cody and Danny and you guys 100%. You guys run great training. This was just more of a a casual conversation. And, uh, and for, for me, I was like, okay, cool. Like if that was their reaction that they should have run it through me, then, then, then I've actually caused a problem mm-hmm. that I need to fix of just resetting expectations and, and letting these guys know like, Hey dude, like these are, Oh, by the way. And that's why I told them, I'm like, Hey, this isn't something you got to run past me. This is more of a, Hey, Oh, by the way, conversation. You're just letting me know because I still do. I, as a leader at echelon front, I need to have information as to what's going on so that I can communicate to you and life and have understanding for strategic reasons, but I don't need to be in, in the weeds in regards to all the decisions and, and the gear. And yeah, for a long time, I was super hands-on with all the gear and literally charging all the taggers and doing all the battle maps and flying the drone and doing all those things, <laughs> literally every single thing. And, uh, and, and until I had Cody and we hired Cody Gandy yeah. full time and he started taking stuff off my right. plate. And Cody's a great example of a good leader who leads up the chain of command because he knew I was hands-on, not because I didn't trust him, not because I didn't think anybody else could get it done like I did. It's just because I felt like I needed to be doing that work. And he was like, hey, boom. Mm-hmm. And he would constantly just take things off my plate. And and Cody did a really good job at leading up the chain of command of just saying, hey, JP, I got this. Like, hey, I need you to be focused on getting us more clients. Hey, go and go and sit and talk with the client. We'll do all this setup and prep. Like, we don't need you doing any of this stuff. The most important thing that you can be doing is building the relationship with the client so that they want follow-on work or we can get some workshops or some LDAPs from these FTXs to further grow and expand Echelon Front. And so as Cody and Danny and Justin and the guys have been doing that, they have a rule. The, there's like this internal rule in the FTX team that I'm not allowed to do anything when I show up to training. I'm not like, it's like they're a little, like they've got this like, hey, JP's not allowed to do anything because they know that if I'm able to sit and talk with a client and build a relationship and, and just listen to what they have to say and and kind of, have a better understanding of the issues their client that that client is dealing with, then we can modify and tweak our scenarios to deliver greater impact to them to further solve their problems, which at the end of the day, that's what we want. We want to provide value to our clients. I can't do that if I'm mm-hmm. tweaking the gear and yeah. unloading the gear or putting ice in the coolers or, you know, picking up trash or taking a trash out because it's overflowing, you know? Yeah. And so the culture that we have in the FTX program is, is incredible. And, you know, 
like we we just got done with a week long of well, it was a full week. We did three of them. It was one day field training exercises that we provide echelon front. So we have the two day individuals, and now we have a one day individual option. And it was awesome because you know a different price point, you know a little bit cheaper than the two day, and also it's just a commitment of one full day mm-hmm. with travel. More people could do it. Yeah, and um. It was awesome to see the impact that Cody and his program has, has created these guys. And I didn't do anything. I think one time I took the trash out just because I was like, I come on, man. Like, I'm going to go, you know, and I was, and even then, like, I hear footsteps and I had guys sprinting after me to grab mm-hmm. the trash. And it was a good reminder um, that, you know, the culture that Cody has developed with that program is awesome. But for me, it's like, hey, strategic, strategic, strategic. And, you know, I, I struggle with that because I was never in that high position. I was never in a high leadership position in the military. I was at, you know, when we deployed to Ramadi, I was an E5. Mm-hmm. I was one of our youngest guys and one of the most junior ranking guys. And then when I was at Trade, I was still an E5. And then I made E6 and I was an E6, uh, you know, petty officer, first class petty officer. So I was never in that chief, senior chief, master chief role. You know, I was never in an officer role. So I never experienced that high leadership position. So for me to fully detach and delegate was very hard for me. And it's it's still a struggle that I have because my whole life it's been do the work, do the work, do the work, do the work. And I'm, I've always been fine with that. I like that. Like, hey, you're my boss. Hey, just tell me what you want me to do and I'll go do it. And I would take pride and I still take pride in like in thinking, I'm not saying I do this, but thinking that, I, that I'm gonna work harder than everybody else. And I'm fine with like, hey, you know, you need me to, get this gear to an FTX call, I'll drive 18 hours straight to make sure we're there. And then all the gear set up. <laughs> I had to do that one time, you know? know. <laughs> you remember that first one, yeah. the first big one? And, and so th- while, that, th- while the characteristic and trait that my father and my mother have instilled into me and my brother and my sister, that's a great thing. There also needs to be a balance because if I'm always just doing the work, then I'm failing my people because I'm not leading them. And if I'm not leading my team, I'm actually failing you in life. And when I really think about that, that bothers me because I don't want to, I don't ever want to be viewed as like, hey, JP, like you're not actually leading your people, therefore you're failing echelon front. Yeah, my my wake up call came when I was, uh, had, I was just become an officer and I went from SEAL Team 1 to SEAL Team 2. And I'm at SEAL Team 2 and I'm now an assistant platoon commander which makes me the number two guy in the platoon. Let's go. <laughs> and I was still like 100% like an E5 in my head, especially when it came to working. Like, Sled hey, dog. yeah, like we're gonna make shit happen. And we were building a pallet. And as we were building this pallet, I was also like, you know, kind of had the pride of ownership. You know, when, when it comes to building a pallet, you want that thing to be squared away and you kind of know what should go where and I built a million pallets in my life and blah, blah, blah. And so now my platoon at team two, we're building a pallet. And I start with the like, hey, get that box over here. Like, no, push that one, hey, put the engines. And all of a sudden my LPO, who's a great dude, unfortunately he passed away. Uh, Scotty Neal, just freaking, just a great guy to work with. And uh, we had an awesome relationship. But he just like walked over to me and he was like, Hey, sir, go ahead and let me do my job. And I was like, I, I was 100%. I was like, check. And I shut my mouth and I just did what he told me to do. And that was like such a great wake up call for me because that was, I, I realized 100%. You know, thankfully, I had enough self awareness to be like, oh, 100%. He's right. 
I should not I should not be doing this. I should be working. It's cool. Like you get your hands dirty. Like you 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 do hard, manual labor, yep, all day long, but that's not my job. And if I'm doing this, if I'm down here, not only that, I'm just interfering with uh, undermining him. He's the LPO. Dude, he's running shit. He's yeah. supposed to be. Yeah. And now I'm down here freaking going to start trying to hone in on things that he's supposed to be responsible for. That's bad. So you hurt the people below you. Like you talk about, oh, you want, you, you're letting me in Lafetown? Never mind that. When you are micromanaging and you're getting the weeds, the people below you in the chain of command can't develop. Yeah. You know, when we were in Tasking a Bruiser, you know, Leif and I talk about this all the time. I could have directed every single like planning thing like this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I had been doing this for 15 years at that point. Leif and Seth were two years deep in the teams. They didn't know shit, right? <laughs> but if I would have done that, all I would have actually done would hinder their growth. Yeah. And they wouldn't have become freaking capable leaders mm-hmm. because I would have been doing it the whole time. Yeah. And so that's just terrible. So and not only that, but what was I doing instead? Well, I was talking to our commanding officer, talking to the brigade commander, talking to the battalion commanders, developing those relationships, figuring out what the plans were, f- figuring out where we were going next, figuring out what the strategy was, doing things that I actually should be doing instead of looking down and in and focused on what's going on with the platoons. So this idea of decentralized command and putting it in your decision loop, if you don't think about it that way, you're gonna, most people are going to drag themselves back down into what they're used to, what they're comfortable with and what they've been doing their whole life. Yeah, And that's another part of it is even if you're not a hard worker, even if you're a lazy bones, you, we, people have tendency to do what we know. We like, well, I know I know how to build a pallet. Like that's, I'm comfortable with that. You're like, hey, I know how to freaking charge the batteries on. I know how to drive 18 hours to get this done. You know how to do that. It's very comfortable. Like you're, you're actually awesome at that. Think about that. You're awesome at getting all that stuff set up. And I, when that happened, that was like five years ago, or whatever, it was a yeah. long time ago. Yeah. But, but even at that time I was like, yo, JP's got all the battery packs and shit in his room, in his yeah. hotel room. He's I got charged everything. Forty-five minutes of sleep that I'm night because like, I was doing everything. Yep, yep. It was terrible. Yeah. Uh, but you let it happen because actually, that was the one situation where I almost had to do most of it because it was our very first FTX. Yep. Nobody knew how to do anything. Yep. I barely knew how to do what I needed to do with the taggers because we just learned yep. it. And you gave me the feedback on the next FTX. You're like, hey. You need to boom. And then Jamie Cochran also was like, hey, on this FTX, you don't need to be going and doing all this stuff. Like one of the time I went and ran and grabbed ice. Bro, what yep. the heck was I thinking? Yep. Like we had a whole team of people that yep. could go run to the gas station and get yep. grab ice. And, and also it's important to remember that, like you just said, there's a lot of people that can go grab ice. Only you can work that new scenario that you want to put yep. in that's de- yeah. de- developed for a client that you had spoken to on the phone that was having this issue. You're the only person that can do that. Well, there's one person that had talked to that client that understood their issue and knew the scenario uh, scenarios that we had the options for and how we could adjust. There's only one person could do that, and that's you. Yeah. And here you are going to get ice or whatever. Pathetic. So don't let that happen, right? The FTXs, when you guys do the one-day FTXs, the individual FTXs, what's the protocol for that? 
what does that day look like? If I'm if I'm showing up for one day, what does it look before I come yeah. and when I get there? So it, it, it so one day the day before people are we do a little check in registration thing, and then we have uh, some time allotted for like a, a brief like introduction class. So let me back it up. They sign up for it. They get emails sent to them, and they have videos that Cody did, and we're working on some more videos that Cody and I are going to do where it's all the leadership principles that we teach at Echelon Front. So we don't have to do that class in the morning. It's like, hey, watch this video. They understand all the principles that we teach at Echelon Front. Uh, I believe we're working into where they'll also have access to some of the videos on a Stream Ownership Academy so they can get prepped on some of the courses, the free courses that we offer on on the Academy. Uh, And then so they check in on Sunday. Let's say it's a Sunday night. They're checking in, do the registration, get their swag bag that we have set up for them, all their gear. Uh, And then we have about an hour, hour and a half of like, hey, here's the weapon systems that we use, the gear, and and just kind of just working through some stuff. And then in the morning, uh, on the shuttle ride to it, which this was a forced detachment for Cody and I, we ride in with the client on the shuttle. So instead of us being there early, like we normally were, like getting everything set up, mm-hmm. dude, Justin, Danny, Cowie, yeah. Jesse, Josh, James, all those guys, they are more than capable yeah. and they have everything set up. Yeah. Justin and his guys have everything set up when we showed up. So Cody and I rode the shuttle in with them and we literally just talked through these principles and these thoughts and got them ready for the day and hey, here's the purpose of the training. And we show we arrived there at like 6.45ish, we have breakfast out there for them, coffee, and then boom, 7 a.m. We're starting mm-hmm. and we're kicking off the day. Give some brief classes on patrolling gear, prisoner handling, just some basic, basic things. It's not focused on tactics. We're not teaching tactics. We don't really care mm-hmm. about your tactics. You know, we have Jesse Rembert, who's a former Green Beret, who's a full time Denver. PD SWAT officer who takes time from work to come help, and he's teaching some of these classes. He mm-hmm. he literally looks like The Rock. He's mm-hmm. like, I think he's bigger yes, than he's The a Rock. Beast, dude. Oh, he's definitely bigger than yeah, The Rock. Yeah, absolutely bigger. And he's cool. And a than legitimate the Rock. badass. Yeah. Like yeah. The Rock plays who Jesse really is in life. <laughs> think about that. The Rock yeah. would play who Jesse Rembert really is in life, yeah. which yeah. is incredible. Yeah. So shout out to Denver SWAT. Those guys are insane what they have to deal with. So that would be another podcast to talk about. Like, For sure. I didn't know this. This year, him and his guys have been in five intense hostage situations. Damn. Five. I was talking to another police officer about that. They're like, you know, like getting one of those in a career is like crazy. Mm-hmm. And this is five this year so far. And we're in September. So anyways, these are the guys that we bring out that are helping with the scenarios and teaching the classes. And then boom, right into right into runs. Mm-hmm. And we go. We go until like five, five thirty, and mm-hmm. we're getting seven, eight runs in in a day. So everyone is in all different leadership positions, and it's cool because we explain to everybody like, "Hey, everybody's not going to be the officer in charge or the assistant officer in charge," and that's actually a good thing. That's by design because the most impactful position, and we always refer back to, "Hey, you listen to Jocko's podcast. The squad leader makes a difference. Everybody will be a fire team leader and a squad leader, and that's that position in the training." that is truly the hardest position because you're leading up, you're leading down, and you're leading across. And that for most humans is their actual real life. Most people aren't that CEO position that literally all they have to do is, most people aren't in that role. The people that come to our training are that squad leader, that fire team leader that are trying to lead up the chain of command, they're trying to lead down the chain of command, they're trying to lead across the chain of command with their peers. So that's where the, the bulk of our people get those positions. And while we do have some CEOs and higher executives that come, it's really cool because uh, their feedback is, man, 
now I know how my people feel. Mm-hmm. Now I know how my people feel. And they go back and they're like, man, I've been failing my people. I need to actually drive more ownership. I need to be more intentional with my communication. And it, it's a really cool uh, day of training. It's the hands-on application of mm-hmm. all the leadership principles that we teach here at Echelon Front. And so, um, yeah, I mean, we're actually, we have an opportunity, uh, you know, we have the muster coming up in January and uh, for muster attendees only, they're going to have the ability to attend a full day FTX on the back end. I know we'll work out yeah. those details later we'll and then details right we'll now. have that schedule for next year coming out as well. But it's, it's a great day of training. We'll also have the two day option. And we also do this with companies where, mm-hmm. you know, we have a few clients that are now bringing us out to their companies to do a full day or two or three days of all this scenario-based leadership training to help ingrain the principles into the culture. Uh, I'm sorry, to ingrain the culture of our principles and extreme ownership into their organization. Yeah, one thing I don't know if I've done the best job of communicating about this program is that this is not this is not a physically challenging program at all. No, it's, it's not intended to that in any way. We don't. No. We don't actually. Honestly, we don't offer a physically, we don't offer physically challenging training at Echelon Front. That's not what we do. Maybe if someone requested us, if they want to do something physically challenging, we could do it. But that's just not what we do. We focus on leadership training. And what happens at the FTX isn't the stress, and it is extremely stressful. Yes. None of that stress comes from physical exertion. Nope. Literally none of it comes from physical, it, and you will likely be the most stressed you've ever been in your life. And you won't be, you won't be breathing hard, you might be breathing a little bit hard, yeah. but that'll be from, come your, because of your mentality is panicking. Yep. It is mental stress. Mm-hmm. It is making decisions. Everything that we're talking about right now in a very intense environment. And what's awesome about it is you'll be going through this loop in your head. You'll be trying to go through this loop in your head. You're gonna fail at it, you're gonna forget things, you're gonna mess things up, you're gonna be like, oh, I didn't realize I was, yeah, I just made a decision, I didn't realize we left those guys hanging. Or I didn't, that seemed like the priority at the time. All these things that we're talking about are are gonna come into play. But what's awesome is, imagine if you uh, are doing jujitsu and you're going against uh, a guy that's a high level black belt and you're like a white belt or a blue belt. Mm -hmm. You're just getting murdered, right? And then you go and you train with somebody that doesn't know anything. The whole world slows down, it makes it easy. Yeah. So what happens, you go in this stressful environment and the pressure's so high that you formulate some good habits from it, but when you put those good habits that you formed into a normal scenario of life, yeah. bro, you are like seeing things in slow motion. Yeah. What, I, what I love about the FTX um, is it shows you who you are. Because that's what stress does. Mm-hmm. In a stressful situation, there's no hiding. You yeah. can't hide who you are. It shows everybody else who you are too. Exactly. <laughs> Good and bad. Yeah. And what's cool about the FTX program that uh, that we run at Echelon Front, and again, that stands for field training exercise. We call it the leadership lavatory. It's We call it multiple things because we want to make sure it's very apparent this is not a tactical training thing. This is not a physical beat down type of session. Yeah, if you, is, learn, if you want to learn how to shoot out of a car while you're tired, we'll do that. We, we can do it, or you can go to Fieldcraft Survival, or you can go to Sheepdog Response. Those guys are all doing it. Yes. Those guys are our friends. Those guys are awesome. That's what they're doing. Uh, great, if you want us to do it, we can do it too. We also did that stuff our whole lives. Yeah. But that's not what we're focused on. That's not the purpose. 
the purpose is to learn how to lead. Yeah. In order to learn how to lead, you have to learn how to think under stressful situations, which you most certainly will yeah. be in. And it's it's the it's a, the awareness that you get as a human about how you need to be more intentional about these things that you're literally talking about right now. It's you will live this leadership loop all day long. And I still always think to the very first individual FTX that we did, that we did in Dallas, you and Leif were there, we had the team there. And I just remember that that couple that came through the training. And I remember this guy, when you look at him, he looks like a big grizzly bear. He's a diesel mechanic, awesome guy, Kevin, right? He was there with his wife. And I just remember him reflecting at the end of the day when we said, you know, what were your takeaways? What are you gonna learn from this training? And he stands up and he's just this massive human. And he, he gets super emotional and he looks at his wife and he said, I'm so sorry because I have been failing you. Or, you know, he just goes into it. And for him, he had a lot of takeaways from the business, but for this guy, it was the understanding that how he had been failing his wife and his marriage and their family. And just to see that, I remember we're all like, I was like, I couldn't look at you. I couldn't make eye contact with anybody because I was, I was going to, I'm an emotional person. You know that about me. Um, but it was just this awesome, like, wow, this is an exposure to your strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And like anything in life, you have the choice. You have the choice to take that information on board. Knowledge is not power. The application of knowledge is power. That's what can make you a great leader. You can have all the knowledge in you can have all the knowledge in the world. It doesn't make you a good leader. It's when you decide to apply these principles, when you decide to apply this leadership loop, when you read leadership strategy and tactics and you have that knowledge and then you apply it, that's what makes you a good leader. That's what makes you um, uh, to have the power to help and yeah. to serve the people around you. Yep. There's not physical stress, uh, but there is screaming mostly from the people that are attending, not mm-hmm. from the instructors. The people, no. you start screaming at each other. There's explosions, there's smoke, there's gunfire, there's mayhem. It, it is absolutely, it, it happens. And we've had all kinds, of, there's, a, there's a, uh, a couple guys, two guys, we were running an FTX program and I was watching these two guys and they were like totally professional, totally cool. And I finally started talking to them and it turns out they're from a, a very, high level, the highest level special operations in their country. Yeah. And they had traveled here to do this FTX. And I was like, oh, cool. And they, and of course they also made mistakes and learned oh, and sure. But but I could tell, I was like, these guys have been in, and they'd served a lot of uh, time fighting in Afghanistan. So, but even those guys had a litany of lessons learned. Yep. So yeah, there is, it is stressful. It's not physical stress, it's mental stress. And it will absolutely make the rest of your leadership life, you'll seem it'll seem like things are moving in slow motion. You'll be able to make decisions much clearer, yeah. much more efficient, efficiently. And if you bring a team with you, or if you have us run this at your company, you're just going to get that times however many people you put through. Yeah. And you're going to start to get. You're also going to get some of that uh, bonding, right? Yeah. You go through stressful situations together with a team. You 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 become closer as a team. You start to learn about each other. You start to know each other better. Your trust increases. So that's the FTX program. That's decentralized command. Uh, and continuing on with the book here, I said, when making a decision, consider decentralized command and ask yourself, should I be the one executing granular tasks or should I be leading from an elevated position? That's a really good question to ask yourself. Can I delegate the action connected with this decision? 
Will this decision allow me to detach and look up and out instead of down and in? Straight up. Man, these principles, they're functional. Uh, Next one, ego slash humility. One of the most disruptive aspects of our lives and our decision-making process is ego. We might think that the ego is not strong enough to actually cause any problems. That is wrong. Each one of us has an incredibly powerful ego that can certainly impact decisions. In fact, there are countless military examples throughout history where ego drove leaders to make decisions that cost people their lives and, in some cases, cost the leaders their own lives. So if ego can lead to a decision makers getting their troop, troops and themselves killed, it can certainly lead to bad decisions in less consequential environments. So people make decisions that they stick to because they're ego and they destroy their business. They destroy their family. They destroy their troops. That, that actually happens all the time. It's crazy to think about. It's crazy to think about. That's why I bring up people like, well, I wouldn't let my ego make. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay. Okay, pal. <laughs> I say this in the book. Our egos are addicted to glory. They want agency. They want us in charge to use our plan to get the credit. To achieve these goals, they will lie to us. Reframe circumstances in unrealistic ways and even completely ignore reality. They might dismiss information, discredit sources, or paint inaccurate pictures. You ever had your ego tell you like, yeah, Echo doesn't know what he's talking about? You ever had your, you know, your ego's like, like discredit, discredit, discrediting sources around you? Yes. That's what your ego does. Dismisses information, that won't happen. Like, oh, JP, JP comes and tells me, like, hey, the market's turning the other way. I'm like, that's not happening. This is just like, my ego's just ignoring it. <laughs> or paint totally inaccurate pictures. This is just common. Hmm. Just, but your ego is like a, a Vincent Van Gogh artist in there. Is that a good example? <laughs> Vincent Van Gogh? Sure. He's like the only artist I could think of. <laughs> he, he chopped his ear off, right? Um, yeah, Van Gogh chopped his ear off. So- My ego might push me to undermine another team in my organization so I can win. It might make me overbearing so that I get to be in charge. My ego might also ignore suggestions from others so that I can implement my own plan. It might diminish other people's efforts so that I can take the credit. Man, that ego's an evil, evil thing. The ego is also, this is, an, this is an interesting perspective. The ego is also driven by short-term gratification. It wants to look good now, not sometime in the distant future. This means that, like any addict, ego can be very challenging to reason with and is not reliable help for maneuvering through nuances. It's weird. I never really thought about that until I was writing this book, is that your ego is like a short-term immediate gratification thing. It's like an addict. It's it's addicted to glory. That's what I wrote. It's addicted to glory. It's like, dude, you need to be you need to be like getting this credit right now. Mm-hmm. You need full gratification right now. That's the way that thing works. Uh and then I say to keep your ego in check while making decisions, ask yourself, what role is my ego 
playing in this decision? Is my ego in check? What is the root of my thought process? I actually, that, that, that question, what is the root of my thought process? I put that in there because that's like a double tap. The first one is what, is my, what role is my ego playing in this decision? I'm like, well, my ego's playing no role. Because you just lied to yourself. So I had to ask another question. Be like, what's the root of your thought process? Because you gotta start thinking like, well, it's not my ego, so what's the root? And you start thinking, wait a second. You have to like double confirm that it's not, that it's not your ego in there. Here's one. Why am I having a hard time agreeing with other people? Isn't that interesting? Because if JP and I work at the same business, we have the same company, we have the same goals, we both wanna take care of our client, we wanna take care of our team, and we wanna be a profitable organization so we can stay in business, why are we having a hard time agreeing on something? Why can't I agree with JP? It's just a good question to ask yourself. Because does JP want the money to the, the organization to lose money? Nope, he doesn't want that. Does he not want to take care of our team? Nope, he doesn't want that. Does he not want to take care of our clients? Nope, he doesn't want that. So why can't I agree with him on something? Hmm. Could it be? Could it be? <laughs> uh, what'd you do for ego control? What did I do or do I do? What do you do? Just that reminder of what you're talking about. I mean, this book has helped me. I mean, and obviously working for you and Lafer. You know what's crazy is this. <clears throat> so this will come out next Wednesday, which will be the month of October. It's been seven years. You know, at the end of October, October, I believe it was 20th and 21st is was the first muster mm -hmm. that you guys did. That was mm -hmm. seven years ago. Right on. <clears throat> so just the... Uh, just working for you guys and being in this environment has been a, just a good reminder. And, um, you know, um, I mean, I have on my wrist tattooed this too shall pass as a reminder of like, Hey, when times are bad, like try right, keep your head up, they'll get better. But also when times are good, remain humble because things can quickly change. And I mean, we've talked about this on previous podcasts. We don't need to dive into it, but I mean, Six and a half, seven years ago, I was delivering pizzas to make ends meet. And I still have my hat from Marco's Pizza that sits in my closet. So my wife and I just bought a new home. And when I walk into my closet, my that hat is right there eye level. So I, I see that every time I'm leaving for a work trip, I see that. When I come home from a work trip, I see that. When I'm home, and I'm, it's just, I see it every single day. It's a, just a good reminder mm -hmm. that. Are you going to get a Marco's Pizza tattoo? <laughs> no, I'm not going to get a Marco's pizza tattoo. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just, for me, it's just like putting things, you know, as a reminder. I mean, like the names that I have engraved on this bracelet, that's a good reminder to stay, to stay humble because and it's a reminder of that time, that time is fleeting. And uh, so I put little things in my life as, as reminders. Um, but for me, um, you know, doing, doing hard things that are going to humble me, like a, a hard workout where you're just like, okay, I am, I'm actually not in that good of shape. I'm not that strong. I'm not that good at jujitsu. I'm not, you know, just having the ability to do hard things that remind me because fatigue makes cowards of us all. And when we're tired and exhausted, we, we do stupid things and, you know, fatigue makes cowards of us all is a good reminder to me of like, hey, I need, if I'm not taking care of myself and taking care of my team and taking care of my family, like I'm going to, I'm going to do stupid things. And I've done a lot of stupid things over the years. And I think me being able to be detached and look and assess and, and, and humble and transparent and share my lessons with people. Like when I'm on this podcast, like I, I would, 
I don't know. Like, I think I'm pretty transparent and just, I, I don't have a problem like sharing, you know, the mistakes I've made. And <clears throat> that's why well, I started my own podcast, you know, like it came out today and it's, you know, just to share like the lessons that I've learned in my life, like growing up and in the SEAL teams and working for you and Leif and like what I've learned from other people is like, and to, to also share the mistakes that I've made. And I think for me, for me, when I share the mistakes that I've made, with others to try to help them learn those lessons and, and to talk through those things. It reminds me of just what I did that allowed me to make those mistakes so that I don't make them again. And the, the, the awesome part would be to where if somebody that I'm sharing these lessons with, uh, whether it's through echelon front or me being on your podcast or somebody listening to my podcast or another podcast that I'm a part of, like if they can hear these stories, and say, hey, you know what? JP made this mistake in his marriage because he violated every law of combat. He allowed complacency to creep in and his wife served him divorce papers because he stopped doing the things that he was doing initially in that marriage. Like if somebody can hear that story and go, man, you know, when's the last time I took my wife out on a date? When's the last time I told my wife, thank you for everything that you do for our family? And I know I'm gone a lot. And I know that you, because of you doing all these things, it allows me to do these things. If somebody can go do that and it saves their marriage, it's worth it. If somebody can listen to you and I talking about, you know, time is fleeting and they realize, you know what? I need to be more intentional with my time when I'm at home with my kids. And that allows them to create a core memory that their kids like hold on to. It's worth it. If somebody can go back to their team and say, hey, you know what? I'm sorry, I've been way too hands-on, I've been in the weeds, and it's actually taken away from me being able to lead you guys. And I trust you guys. And I'm, you know what? Here's what I'm gonna do moving forward. Boom, boom, boom. And then they can implement something that allows them to be more detached, allows them to drive more ownership to their people, then cool, it's worth it. So for me, it's just sharing. Mm -hmm. It's just being open and transparent and and just sharing the mistakes that I've made and and trying to just help provide value to other people. And because I also remember, man, man, life is humbling. I mean, I've been where like we had 17 cents in our bank account. I've been where I've had my bank account negative. And you sent me a you okay. sent me a image the other day and I think your balance was zero. It was zero. Like I don't even know how you get a bank a bank account to zero. It's when you spend all your money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it was like I don't know. It was two thousand whatever. It was like five years ago, seven years ago. I guess well now. No, it wasn't five years ago. It was, like, it was yeah, yeah. So seven or eight years ago, yeah. before we were working together, you sent me like a text of like, "Hey, bro, just FYI, this is eight years old or whatever," uh -huh. and it says your bank account is zero point zero zero. That means you had to go in there and like withdraw your last like $17.32. Yep. You're like, no, I need it all. They're yeah. like, sir, you have to have a minimum balance of $1. You like close the account. Yeah. I need that $1.32. Yeah. So yeah. that's a lot different than where you are now it's with slightly. a brand new freaking awesome house. And yeah. um, When I think about ego, okay, this is uh, Echo Charles. Yes. Star Wars mm -hmm. fan? Um, I get down with some Star Wars, yeah, for okay. sure. I love that response. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, and I, I don't know if this is like a main theory of it, but you know how I think Yoda, Yoda, yeah. Yoda, hell yeah, Yoda says there's a disturbance in the Force, or maybe Obi Wan Kenobi says that. I think so, yeah. There's a disturbance in the Force. Yeah. For me, like when 
I feel there's something like doesn't feel right. Mm. Like there's some kind of disturbance in the force. Oh, like, like in you, like you like oh, I'm I'm something's frustrating me or something. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like there's some yeah. disturbance in the force, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The, that immediately is like, oh, just I just need to go, okay, yep, oh, well, let's go find this because I know what it is. Yeah. The disturbances in the force isn't some other problem because all other problems I can handle, right? Yeah. What's going on? Oh, there's a problem with this. There's a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. The only thing that causes the disturbance in the force is, oh, your ego is involved here. Mm-hmm. This is your ego talking to you. Yeah, and one of the things I've learned from from you over the years in your podcast and, and working for you and Leif and, and, and Dave, I don't remember who said it and how it was said, but I started, and I you were just talking about this in the book, is not that if it's driven by my ego, because factual 100%, my ego is in play for everything that I do in my life, but how is my ego driving this response? That's something I've been trying to be more mindful of because I have to recognize, and I know we've talked about this before on this podcast and on Extreme Ownership Academy sessions that we do is my perspective is flawed. I know that because it's only my perspective. And so I have to be mindful that my ego is coming into play and my ego is like, I gotta be careful because that ego is gonna lie to me. Oh yeah. And you know, I have to understand that my, one, my perspective is flawed and then just assess and say, okay, how is my ego driving my response? And I have to detach from my emotions. That's why detachment is a superpower and allows me to pull back and go and get different perspectives to see the big picture so that I can try to respond with all that information instead of just one little bit. Oddly enough, the next section and the next topic on the leadership loop is emotions. And I write this. Emotions such as anger, frustration, sadness, and joy can all impact our ability to lead and make good decisions. Ego, as you just pointed out, is often the driver of our emotions, especially our negative emotions. When our egos are offended, we we get angry. When our egos are impatient, we get frustrated. When our egos feel lost, we get sad. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So often those things, those negative, I, my immediate check on negative emotions is ego. I'm like 100%, oh, I'm feeling negative about something, I'm feeling frustrated, I'm feeling impatient, I'm feeling angry, I'm immediately like, this is an ego. That's the first check I'm gonna make and there's a 99% chance that 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 cause of that emotion, that negative emotion is ego, 99% chance. 1% it's like, oh, you know, some freaking guy hit my car, you know, in the parking lot. And I'm frustrated because now I gotta like go get his insurance. Just this is a whole thing. It's just gonna be a pain. Yeah, but I don't like any of it. Right? This inconvenience. I don't like inconvenience. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, so when something gets thrown at me, like now I got think of all the stuff that just got added into your day, into your life. When someone like hits you in the parking lot, mm-hmm. and now your front quarter panel's all bent up. Sure. Your, your whole there's a whole series of things that are now gonna just be inconvenient in your life. Yeah. Wait, so you're saying your ego doesn't play a part in that part of it? Like that's the exception kind of a thing? For me? Yeah. That's not an ego thing. Like mm-hmm. me, like somebody hits me in the parking lot. Yeah. Like let's say we, we get done with the podcast and I walk over to the parking lot and my front quarter panel's all scraped up. Yeah. That's not an ego reaction to be like, oh, damn it. You know, like to me, I I could be wrong. You think I'm wrong? You're. Yeah, oh, you think that's bit. ego? Yeah. Well, how is that ego? But well, and I didn't come just come up with this right now. Because okay. at one at one point, I mm-hmm. went down deep the ego rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. 
And bro, mm-hmm. I, I discovered a bunch of egos everywhere. So that is like, okay, so do you wear, and here's the questions mm-hmm. I was asking myself. So I'm just gonna ask you, mm-hmm. so, cause I could be wrong. <clears throat> so, okay, you someone bumps into your car, quarter mm-hmm. panel, jammed up, whatever. Yep. Super inconvenient. Yep. Super, right? Yeah. Do you live in a world that inconveniences don't exist? The you, answer is you, no. You, you want me to be honest with yes, you? Yes, sir, please. My life is very mitigated when it comes to inconveniences. Of course, of course it is. <laughs> Hell yeah, it is. I can see where he's going with there. Okay, right oh, there. I'm just saying, yep. hey, you make a good point. Yep. You know, your life. Hell yeah. Yep. So therefore, <laughs> therefore, in a world with inconveniences every single day, mm-hmm. when they affect you, mm-hmm. let's face it, that's a problem. Yep. See what I'm saying? Yep. The rest of the world, eh, well, you know, whatever. It's all, you accept that part of it, mm-hmm. right? Don't we? But when it happens to you, mm-hmm. it's unacceptable. Sounds like ego to me. I don't know. I could yeah, be yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah, you're in there. So yeah. So at the end of the day, again, like, and that was the question I, I mm-hmm. kept asking. Like, okay, do I believe in a world that this never happens under any circumstances? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, no, probably not. And then you kind of, you know, you go deeper and deeper, yeah. and then it always arrives at, okay, so I think I'm special. Yeah, therefore, yeah. I'm allowed to react like this. You yeah, yeah. Well, when you go into that mode of, uh, yeah, you're actually right. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go into the mode of I'm allowed to react, you know what my reaction is? Mm-hmm. It's not like I actually react in any way. I go, right. well, now I got to go and freaking, yeah. you know, it's like I don't get mad. I don't yell at anybody. Perfect. I just kind of carry on. Yep. Perfect. But uh, I suppose there's a, a completely ego-free world where, you know, I look at that Brent quarter panel and I say, this is great. I'm going to add to the economy. I'm going to get this thing fixed. Some yeah. people are going to make a little extra money. Yeah. I get to experience, I get to exercise my patience in the world. So go. basically what we're saying is good. My front quarter panel good. got smashed, good. good. Life, yeah. life gives you the opportunity yes. to train. Yeah, yeah. gives and me the opportunity yeah, to be patient. All that stuff. But, and obviously, you know, that's that's funny and everything. And, and I don't think that that's kind of the expectation mm-hmm. for you to just automatic. And in fact, you have an ego. We all, JP, we all have an ego, just like how you of just course. said, yeah. right? It, the, the key isn't to not have an ego. The yeah. key is to control, control your, your ego, ego. Sub, subordinate your ego, yeah. that. So in an incident or in when an incident happens where your ego has to be subordinated, what's it going to look like right away? Like right off the bat, what's it going to look like? That ego is going to at least yeah, open yeah. its oh, eyes yeah. yep. at the very least. That's that yep. feeling. He's probably taking a breath too because he's getting ready to lash oh, out. Oh, yeah, getting like, ready. <gasps> Especially if you yeah. got a good healthy one, mm-hmm. he's ready. And when he go, go right before he springs into action, as mm-hmm. far as behavior goes, mm-hmm. that's what it looks like. Behavior right before that, then you can quote unquote, check your ego, subordinate your ego. Then yep. your behavior will follow suit. So yes, quarter panel smashed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're about to be like, I can't believe this happened to me and on this day yeah. of all days. You see what I'm saying? I'm busy yeah. or whatever. Before that goes down, yeah. your ego goes, it's about to make it happen. Then you go subordinate your. Hey, it's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's you're okay. Right. You're right. It's okay. This happens to everyone. It happens. Yeah. You got to expect this kind of stuff. That you know, and then yeah. the ego gets subordinated. So even the quarter panel. So I guess we could trace from what you're saying. Basically, it's not 99 percent of negative emotions. It's a hundred percent of negative. Let's throw 99.9. Give yeah. me point zero one. Put it this way: the only reason why you can't really say hundred because it's like that's a bold yeah, statement yeah, yeah. to be like there are no exceptions ever yeah. under no circumstance. You know, so I don't yeah. know, but. Put it this way, the rabbit hole I went down. Was Wait, pretty what deep. was the rabbit hole? Just oh. exploration of ego. Yeah, you know what just came to mind as you were telling that whole thing is mm. there's the one of the worst possible like violations is yeah. is uh, 
do you know who I am? Oh yeah, right? yeah. When people say that, where, yeah. what you just said, like yeah. the way that leads, like that would be the worst case. Is like, oh, I go out there in my front quarter. Some guy's backed into my front quarter panel. Yeah. Like the ultimate, like violation and my ego comes flying out yep. what does my ego say my ego says do you know who i am <laughs> yes, right whenever like a them. movie star says that or like a rich person says that oh, yeah. we just are disgusted by them oh yeah you know if you get caught on camera yeah like you're a movie star yeah. and you're trying to get into the club or you're name it something stupid like speeding i'm trying ticket. to yeah speeding ticket those? yeah the politician that's like do you even know who i am do you know who i am that's like the worst violation of ego. So this is gonna be one of my, I'm gonna try and incorporate this, is I'm gonna ask myself that. Like when shit's going sideways, I'm gonna say, do you even know who I am? And I'm like, that's right, you're not anybody. And your front quarter panel is no more precious than Joe Schmo's quarter panel. And this happened, good, you get to exercise your patience. Yep, and look, by no means is, does anyone expect you, even yourself, I think, anyway, Expect you to be literally happy that it happened. Yeah, you know, good things happen that make you happy out, you know, mm-hmm. right away. Then things happen that make you less happy and not happy, I'm unhappy. A straight up. Oh <laughs> yeah, and I'm not saying I would like it. In yeah. fact, I would straight up dislike it. You know? <laughs> straight up, I dislike. But at the end of the day, you know, the old question, like, okay, I see, I understand your feeling, but how are you going to behave now? Yeah. You see, what I'm saying. Yeah. So this section is about emotions, though. And what's interesting is so many emotions, whether it's 99%, whether it's 100%, whether it's 98%, so many of them are tied to your to your ego. It's freaking actually ridiculous. And I think a lot of times, like, I am a relatively, like, I don't get super emotional about stuff. And I think it's because I am running through a little check before I get freaking mad or before I get angry or before I get frustrated. I'm going, dude, I know what this, I know where this is coming from. Mm. You don't want to be wrong. You don't want to be shown up. You don't want someone else's plan. You think you already thought. You don't want to look like all those things. All those things. That's what's going on. So that's why when making a decision, you go through this checklist. And you go, hold on a second. Am I being emotional? I I added joy into this. Because you know people make dumb decisions when they're happy. Right? Like I've made dumb decisions where I was super happy and stoked. And like, yeah, let's go ahead and buy that thing. (laughs) Because you're happy. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, dude, this is going great. Go ahead. Order another round. Like that kind of thing. I've never done that <laughs> <laughs> So to avoid letting emotions drive your decision making, ask yourself, am I being emotional? Why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? Is this decision based on logic? If I were a robot, would I make the same decision? So, some good things to think about from the emotional perspective. And I'm not saying you gotta be devoid of emotions. In fact, what I've been saying for the last couple of years, is you got, and I say it in the book too, you gotta put, you gotta put the emotions in the calculus mm-hmm. of your decision, right? If you're, in a, if you're in a leadership position and you know that this decision is gonna make everyone mad, you better put that in your calculus. You can't just be like, hey, you can be mad, but we're not counting your emotions in this decision. The whole team's mad now, or the whole team's frustrated now. That's not a good decision. It's crazy that some leaders, they know that and they don't care. Because, again, that goes back to the ego thing. Like, you've heard this before. Like, hey, you might be mad, and that's okay, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter. Doesn't you're matter. like, wait, yeah. what? Do you hear what you're saying? <laughs> there are people that yeah. are just – and what's sad is that skill set, 
It's a bad skill set. But that skill set has actually been taught because they saw it from somebody else. They saw oh, somebody. Oh, the skill set to not to ignore the emotions of the team. Yes, and I'm saying skills. It's a bad skill set. Oh. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Let me. The uh, habit. The trait. Right. That trait, that habit is that's a bad trait. That's a mm. bad habit that's been taught because they saw somebody else do it and they thought, man, that's, yeah. oh, man, that's cool. Yeah. Or, hey, I'm going to do that Or that worked. Day. Or hey, it actually worked, and it, it and by when I say it worked, means the team went and executed this thing. They were all mad. Yeah, because the people we think about it, the people that work for us, they're good people. They're hard workers. They're smart. They like to win, and they want to get the job done. And those people will do. They'll 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 allow that um, that environment. That they'll allow that culture for a little while. Yeah, and, and yeah, most for a little while, some for a very long time, but here's the deal. Like, if if you thought that the best way for you to provide for your family was to stay in the current, let's just say you had a regular job, and you're the average person, and you have this good job, it provides for your family, you know it has some stability, are you gonna tolerate bad leadership? Yes. M- most yeah, most yeah, yeah. 100% people will tolerate bad leadership because what's more important to them is their family yep. and they'll go endure that now they will be keeping their ear open for another job they will put their resume out 100%, there 100% yeah. absolutely i agree not arguing that at all but there's a lot of people out there that just tolerate bad leadership in a hostile work environment because they want to take care of their family but yeah. as soon as that good environment and that good opportunity comes up, boom, gone, done. Yeah, because they have no loyalty. Well, guess what? Their loyalty is to their family. Yeah, and if they can be happier and be yeah. in a better environment, bye. And by the way, who performs better as a team? So if I make my team do something and they're mad about it and I don't address it, because look, yeah. my team can be frustrated and mad, and I go, hey, listen. I understand why you're frustrated. Here's why I had to make this decision. I know it's gonna be a real shock to our system in the yeah. short term for the next three weeks while we work through this, it's gonna be longer. If I explain that to them and we talk through it, okay, cool, we made a hard decision, we had to suck it up. But, and the team is gonna work harder. Like, when they're happy. Yeah, and they have ownership and yeah. buy-in. So, there you go, don't make emotional decisions. Uh, but that's what's cool. Sorry to yeah, interrupt, go. but that's what's cool about it is when you drive ownership, you're actually it's calculated into this into this step of the emotions, not just your emotions, but the emotions of your people. 100%. And I'm building up the emotions in a positive manner of my people when I give them ownership. Mm-hmm. People like to have ownership. They like mm-hmm. to have control. And now that they are in a good emotional place, it's a better work environment, yep. which affects all these yep. other things in a positive manner. So they do a better job. Yes. Period. End of story. They perform. All right, check. Uh, Fast forward a little bit. Perspective. In the SEAL teams, when performing reconnaissance of a target building, we observe the target from as many possible angles as we can. We do this so that we can better understand all aspects of the target. If we only observed the north side of a building, we wouldn't comprehend what was on the south side where there might be an enemy fighting position. If we only observed the west side of a target building, we wouldn't understand the east side. So we endeavor to observe the target building from the north, south, east, and west. We want to understand every different perspective and its possibilities. Similarly, when making business decisions, we have to understand the problem we are faced with from as many angles as possible. We do this by collecting inputs from the people involved with the problem. So, 
listening to other people, finding out what's going on, understanding their perspective. It's everything we just talked about. If I see that my team is angry, what's their perspective? Why are they mad about this? They should be happy. Like we got a new client. There's more work to do. Everyone's gonna make more money. Oh, they're mad because they haven't had a break in nine weeks, right? You can, And it still doesn't cash out with as much money as they're making compared to how hard they're gonna have to work. So understanding other people's perspectives, absolutely critical. And I say this, to ensure you see the fullest possible picture when making a decision, ask yourself, what can I do to see and understand more? What do my subordinates see? What do my peers see? What does my boss see? What does my competition see? Have I asked enough questions? What am I not seeing? Just asking yourself, like when you said earlier, your, your perspective's flawed. Of course your perspective's flawed. You only have your perspective. We have to ask questions and try and understand other people's perspectives so we can make better decisions. Next one, mission, tactical and strategic. The term mission creep originated in the military but has morphed into civilian vernacular. It refers to situations where organizations expand the scope of their goals beyond their originally intended mission. As the mission objectives expand over time, there is less and less focus on the original intent of the mission, often causing a failure to achieve the original mission. So, when making a leadership decision, it is critical to assess the original mission objective and ensure that the decision supports the original intent and that it will not squander resources required to achieve the actual mission. So again, if you're making a decision, you've gotta think about that decision. Is this helping us get to our long-term strategic goal? Is it what we're supposed to be focused on right now? And this is something that throws off all kinds of people. It wrecks companies sometimes. Yeah. It wrecks families sometimes. Because we're thinking short term or we're doing things that we shouldn't be doing. So you've got to always ask yourself, is this our mission? This is another one we were talking earlier about like, uh, hey, we're going to build this thing and it's going to take all these resources. And I'm like, hey, I got an idea. Why don't we just not build that? You know? Or like, hey, instead of like trying to hammer on this door for the next 30 minutes, why don't we just walk through the window or you know, go through the window in 30 seconds? This is another one, it's like, people will start talking about something and I'll be like, hey, is this even our mission? Is this even our mission to do this? Like, is this what we wanna do? Do we wanna focus on this right now? Because we, we, obviously we can do it, but is this what we are doing? Is this what our mission is? Because if it's not our mission, why are we doing it? And oftentimes, like, well, we just kind of, you get a little target fixation, right? There's some niche product to make. There's some niche need in the market. And you're like, oh, I think we could do that. And you probably could, but is it your mission? So thinking about that, intentionally thinking, like, okay, is this actually my mission? I have a construction company that builds, you know, uh, I have a roofing company. Cool. And all of a sudden you get someone that's like, hey, when you get done with our roof, can you do our gutters? And you can. Yeah. And you can say, you know what? We can do that. And maybe that's an expansion that you make. But maybe you run the numbers. And maybe you say, look, gutters is kind of a, a, a little bit more niche market. We live in Arizona. There's not a lot of rain here. Gutters last a long time. Mm, you know what? Why don't we subcontract out this gutter system? right? 
And instead of now investing in a bunch of equipment and research and people and training to get the guys up to speed where they can do, no, it was a waste. So let's not do that. Let's not allow mission creep in. Brad Kavner was really good at reminding guys that trade at that. In what way? He would just say, hey, is this what we need to be focused on? Mm-hmm. Like, it was just a very simple, and uh, I mean, he's out, he's retired now, but I'll use his nickname, Wink. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he would literally do the same thing. Like, hey, is this what we need to be focused on right now? And guys would be like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I remember they set up a breaching scenario one time, and guys were just having the hard, like, they were so focused on, like, this section of the door, getting through the problem. <laughs> Dude, 18 inches away, like, a little bit over. Mm-hmm. So at an angle mm-hmm. up on the wall was the key on a little thumbtack, mm-hmm. the key that unlocked the door. Mm-hmm. It was right there. And I remember they they put together that scenario, and I was just like, man. This is awesome. And guys are like just fighting on trying to get the door unlocked and they can't get in. They're trying to kick it and they're trying to do all this stuff and they're getting ready to call it the breacher. But they had the breachers focused on some other bigger mm-hmm. problems so they couldn't get those resources over. And right there, and I remember Wink and, De- and, and, and Brad just pointing at the key and these guys are like, and it was just a good reminder from, hey, detach, yep. step back and and just look at the big picture. Yep. And it was just, I just remember Brad when, you know, running trading, just just reminded, like, hey, is this what we need to be focused on? Yeah. Hey, what are we working on right now, guys? Yeah. And it was just, and that's what good leaders do. It's, it's okay to say that to your people. Hey, guys, what is this what we need to be focused on? Is this what we need to be focused yeah. on? Like, what are we supposed to be working on right yeah. now? You're not being direct. You're not saying, hey, this is what you need to be focused on. It's it's that indirect approach again. Hey, guys, what do we need to be focused on right now? And you're like, well, clearly not this right now. Yep. I always know, like, if you and Leif are asking me questions, I'm probably not doing the right thing. <laughs> or you don't know why I'm working on something, mm-hmm. which means I have failed to communicate to you guys what why we're working on something. Yeah. I know it's one of those. You're asking questions because you don't have information, or I don't, you I want not me understand. to see. Yeah, you don't understand it. Yep. You truly don't understand, yep. like, because in your mind it's like one, you don't have enough information, or two, you don't you don't understand why would I be doing this? And so instead of going direct and saying, "Hey, that's stupid. Why would you be doing that?" You're like, "Hey, what what does JP know that I don't know?" And so you're asking me a question. So anytime you guys or anybody, Jamie, Dave, any any anybody in my life has asked me questions, I'm like, "Oh, they they don't have enough information. We don't have." alignment we are not aligned and that's my fault yeah the and, and another thing talking about like that key on the thumbtack that will get nine out of ten people that they won't see that thing mm-hmm. this is this is one of those situations where being you in, in a if you're in a seal platoon you can literally afford to be deta- you if you you can be afford to be detached the entire time because no one else is mm. like like Bunch of sled dogs. Everyone, working, working, it, working, they working. see that freaking door with a bunch of freaking with a lock on it, and there's noise behind the door. They know something going on. They want to get in there. Nine out of ten guys are gonna just. They're gonna. How do we get through this door? How do we breach this thing? Let's get the sledgehammer up. What kind of charge am I gonna put on this thing? You can afford to be the guy that's just like constantly at high port looking around because yeah. no one else is gonna see that key. Yeah. And it's so weird to be in that situation. You'll see, you'll see so much that other guys aren't going to see. So it's the same thing in your company. Chances are in your company, when you've got some product that everyone's all of a sudden like, hey, you think we could make this? You think we could? Well, do we have the right tools for this? Yeah, we have the right tools. Hey, wh- where do we need to order from? Where, what, how, wh- how is it built? How long will it take? And everyone's going to focus on that problem. 
and they're gonna start working on it. And they're gonna start moving down that path. And the next thing you know, you've created a product with a bunch of expenses and a bunch of time and a bunch of effort that seven people in the world need. Uh And it's freaking worthless. And if you would've just took a step back and like five minutes into this, pulled a Brad Kavanagh and been like, hey, is this what we should be focused on right now? And everyone look at each other. And as soon as they, people look at each other, they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, as, soon as, they, as soon as Brad points up the key and you're like, oh, I'm an idiot. You don't think like that's trickery. No, you think like I'm an idiot. Yeah. I'm an idiot. Yeah. So check. Rest in peace. Uh, yeah. Next section here. Relationships. This is the last thing I consider when making a decision but it is the most heavily weighted of all the items in this leadership loop checklist. I know this might seem strange. After all, the stereotypical priorities of a leader are things like accomplishing the mission, managing resources, and ensuring timely execution. But for me, building and maintaining relationships is the most important thing a leader does because relationships are the force that holds the team together. The stronger the relationships, the stronger the team. The stronger the team, the better the results the team achieves. Because of that, it is important to remember that every decision a leader makes either builds or denigrates relationships. I want every interaction I have with anyone on my team, up, down, or across the chain of command, to build our relationship. This is not to say I'm always able to do that, but I absolutely always try. So this is one of those things that I think is counterintuitive for people. That when you're in a leadership position and you're making a decision, you can, should, and must weigh how this is gonna impact the relationships that you have with the people on the team. And I, I, it's sort of like the person that we just talked about that might be like, oh, I don't care what, you know, I don't care if you're mad or not, this is what we're doing. There's some people that are like, hell yeah, bro, that's what a leader does. You know, it's like a leader makes those hard decisions, right? We hear that shit all the time. Like, no, a leader's not gonna freaking just cow town because someone's frustrated. It's like, "Mm, okay, okay, I get you. Here, are there times where you're gonna make decisions as a leader that are gonna make that's gonna make the team mad? Yep. Are there times where that relationship's gonna get sacrificed a little bit? Yep, there are. There are. I have made decisions in my life that I know negatively impacted my relationship with somebody, and I had to work through to build it back up. I've been through that countless times. We all have. But to not recognize that and not be intentional about saying, hold on a second. There's six and one, half dozen the other, but if I choose six, Echo's gonna be frustrated or JP's gonna be angry or our relationship is gonna be negatively impacted. Why don't I just go with a dozen or half dozen? Why don't I just do that? People make decisions all the time without considering how it's going to impact relationships. And this is the biggest mistake you can make. So what is a relationship? Again, in the book I talk about it, trust, listen, respect, influence, and care. What's interesting about to build these, and I'll fast forward a little bit, to build relationships with these attributes, one must take a slightly counterintuitive approach and proactively give first. If you want someone to trust you, you must first put some trust in them. If to get someone to listen to you, you have to listen to them. The more you talk, the less people listen. Respect must be given to be received. Trying to demand respect does not work. In fact, it backfires, by the way. You better freaking respect me. 
To become influential over someone, the first step is allowing that individual to influence you. And obviously, if you want someone to care about you, you must first display how you care about them. And then I go on to talk about your ego can stifle these efforts. It's so interesting, right? If I don't want to, I don't want to put any trust in in JP. Well, why not? Well, because I don't think he can do it as good as me. That's ego. Uh, JC, JP should be listening to me since I've been doing this longer because I have more experience because I've been in this position. He should be listening to me. That's ego, mm-hmm. by the way. JP better treat me with respect. I've earned it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's your ego. Your ego thinks it's earned all kinds of shit that it hasn't earned. Uh, why should I be influenced by JP? He should be influenced by me. That's ego. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I'm supposed to put JP's needs above my own? Which is a weird thing to think about, right? Mm-hmm. Think about that. There's a whole like road we could go down of, what's that saying? Uh, Gotta look out for number one, right? <laughs> number one, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm Who's number one? Hey, you got, hey man, look, mm-hmm. I gotta look out for number one. So that's my ego. Mm-hmm. So when I say, look, I, you know, JP's gonna kind of get screwed on this deal, but you know, I gotta take care of me. Okay, okay. Mm. How's that gonna work out? How's that relationship looking? How's that trust going? Like it's just a disaster, and it's all ego. Well, and that's where <clears throat> that's where people will uh, twist what you said earlier because they hear from other people like pay yourself first, and that's a mistake that people will make is like, well, I got to make sure, I, hey, I got to get mine. Yep, I got to get mine, and they they take that the wrong way, mm-hmm. and it's they don't understand the the major leadership withdrawals that they're making, and just how bad that actually is ruining relationships because yeah. people see that and they know they know exactly what you do, as you said hundreds of thousands of times, your intent has a smell. Mm-hmm. And if it stinks, mm. none of us like it. No, it's like that sweaty gee sitting in the back of your car in the summer, <laughs> <laughs> Texas summer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah there's uh, probably nothing worse than a gee that like got left somewhere. Burn it and just order yeah, a new one from Origin USA. Yeah, that's what we gotta do. Um, I go on to say this. To ensure you are protecting and building relationships instead of diminishing them, ask yourself, how will this decision impact my relationships? Again, I say this is the most heavily weighted thing, which I think throws people off, right? Because as a leader, it's like, no, I'm gonna get the job done, right? We're gonna save, we're gonna get the resources. We're, that's what everyone thinks. It's like, no, actually, make your priority. Let's make sure we're building that relationship. Because if we're not building a relationship, what do we have? What do we have? We have a shitty team. If the impact is negative, are there any options that will more positively impact relationships? If the impact is negative, is it worth the return on investment? Like I said, I've made decisions that have hurt relationships that I've had with people, where I've been like, look, dude, Echo, I know that like the, the video, look, the video that you made, it's a really good video and I appreciate it, but we're gonna use Carrie's video. Like there's some times where I've got to like that's gonna hurt our relationship. Like mm-hmm. Echo's mad, yeah. you know. Like our relationship just took a step back. But like let's face it, his video wasn't as good as Carrie's in this whatever f- situation, mm-hmm. and that's gonna hurt our relationship. But for the business, that's what we got to do, and that's the way it is. So I've had to make decisions. I've had to make a lot of decisions like that. Mm-hmm. But I only do it. What's the ROI? 
Because you know what? If Echo made a video and it was pretty good, and Carrie made one that was better, but I knew that Echo was like super emotional and attached to this video that he made, and it, like the difference wasn't that big of a deal, I'd be like, yeah, Echo, man, your video's good. Let's launch that thing. And there's some people right now that are like, yeah, but if your ROI would have been better. It's like, okay, but we have to think strategically. Because if my ROI was a little bit better with Carrie's video than it was with Echo's, and so we, we, we did a little bit better, we did 4% better, but now, now Echo, he's, he's a little bit pissed off. How much effort does he put in his next video? It's getting worse, uh-huh. right? Matter of fact, he, probably, he might not even make it. You know, you know, Echo, this is after Echo made 10 videos and they were all better than Carrie's and Carrie's videos, like, we're just like, hey, that's good. We'll throw it on the back burner. Finally, Carrie comes out with a big win. And, but we, so we, we use his video and I'm like, Echo, sorry, dude. This is not, this is not the time. Echo's frustrated, man. Uh-huh. That relationship just got hurt. What are we doing? Is it worth it? Long term, is it worth it? So is it sometimes worth it? Yes, sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes you have to make those decisions. Most of the time, it's like, I'm gonna protect the relationship. That's my number, that's like I said, it's the heaviest weighted thing I have. And I'll tell you, like this is the way you have to operate. If you're not operating like this, look, you look, you're going to be successful for a while. You can leave a, a scorched earth policy, and everywhere you go, everyone hates you, and you have no true friends, and it's just a nightmare and a disaster. And and by the way, where that ends up, you make some money along the way, or you'll build your business, or you'll get promoted, or whatever it is you're looking for, you'll get it, short term, and then you look up in three, four, five years, and it's just scorched earth. And there's nothing else to burn, right? Yeah. There's nothing else to burn. Well, you'll always be chasing that fulfillment that you can't actually achieve. Because when you do what you're talking about, there's fulfillment. When you do what? When you all these things per- you're talking oh, yeah. about. Yeah. Everything in this loop. When you do those things, when you're an actual leader, and again, you don't a title doesn't make you a leader. Doing these things is what makes you a leader. You know, building trust. You know, listening to your people, showing them respect, like influencing them, that's what that's what makes you a leader is your ability to build the relationships with people around you, instill belief into them, belief in the mission, and and actually go inspire them to take action. That's what makes you a leader. And, you know, when you do all these principles that you're talking about, that brings you fulfillment. When you violate all these things, you're gonna be chasing fulfillment until the day that you die. And it doesn't matter how much money you make, it doesn't all these things will not matter. But you can also get all of these other things that some people like that matters to them while also being a good leader. And, and what we've seen is the people that have good intentions that are taking care of their people and they're, they're out there serving people, they tend to get what they need and want in life. Mm-hmm. And like that's the true thing is like the happiness comes from peace, not from all the like the things that people are chasing like that. The happiness comes from peace of being a good leader and, and serving and, and taking care of people. Yeah, yeah, and if you prioritize your relationships and part of inherent in relationships is caring about other people, yes. if that's what your focus is, I'm gonna promise you, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you will end up better in the long term. Yep. Period, end of story. Yep. When you sacrifice relationships, when you don't listen to people, when you hurt, when you don't care about people, when you do those things in your life, I, I'm gonna tell you, like I said, you gonna get some short-term wins, sure. You know, I freaking came out better with the business deal and you know, JP was building this thing for me and I kinda like pushed back on what he wanted to charge and he came in and finally he got it done and I didn't pay him what he really wanted. Okay, 
Dude, I won, right? I, you built my deck for me. You built a deck on my house and you wanted five grand and I got you to do it for 4,200. I won, right? You know what I'm saying? I won, short term, right? I saved 800 bucks. You know, what happens? What happens? Well, you know, my roof's leaking one day and I need some help and I call JP. What does he say? Sorry, man, I'm busy. Or the, you know, this is the way life works. You know, I sacrificed the relationship for me, right? I sacrificed the, the, I make a decision that's good for me, not good for you. Yeah. And that's not gonna work out good. Now, you could also be saying, you know, Jocko, I'll do it, but I can only do your deck for, you know, $6,000. And I go, man, I mean, we ran the numbers and I looked at the labor and the cost of the stuff. It's like five grand is really fair. And you're like, I can only do it for six grand, sorry. Okay, so I pay you six grand, you know? And yet, you and I both know that's not fair. We don't have the same relationship that we did an hour ago Mm -hmm. before we shook hands on this deal. So now, who's building my, you know, my next house? In three years, when I've become wealthy, and I'm like, actually, I need a whole house built. Guess who's not getting the job? JP's not. Try to get that extra little bit of something out of me. Mm -hmm. So if you make decisions and you consider relationships and you weight that heavily. Again, dude, are there times? Yes, there's absolutely times. I get it. All you people that are right now like, that's not good leadership. Sometimes you got to just freaking close the door. You're You're on the ship and the ship gets hit with a torpedo and there's guys in the engine room and you seal that freaking door and those guys are gonna die now. That's a decision that gets made. And you do that to save the ship. I get it. And some of the guys on the ship are gonna be filled with hatred. Yeah. You made that decision. There are times when you have to put those things aside. We get it, we understand that. But I'm telling you, when you're running this decision loop in normal life, prioritize these relationships. That's the way it works. There was a few times where you'd be in this situation, Mm -hmm. um, obviously on a very small scale. Mm -hmm. But what I did notice that Jocko would do, JP, and you'll probably vouch for this as well. Anytime where like there's a decision that maybe I wouldn't have necessarily agreed with or be like right on board with, you'd always explain the bigger picture. Mm Kind of like, um, like, okay, you know, hey, look, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. Hey, follow me. This is why. And because of this. And the more you explain kind of the big picture, the more acceptable it starts to become. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay. And just like I said, yeah, yeah, they won't. You said they might not like you for it, but I would say, in my experience, it's not that they don't, I wouldn't like you or I'd like you less. It would be that I wouldn't like it. Necessarily, oh, it's good. To keep so point. the relationship is essentially maintained. Mm-hmm. But even though I'm doing something that I really don't want to do, mm-hmm. but I know why I'm doing it, so it's kind of like okay, I get. It. It's kind of like telling your kids to clean the room, mm-hmm. right? Hey, we're gonna go to uh, Disneyland today, mm-hmm. but before you go, you gotta clean your room. They'll be like, what? Like, oh my gosh, I was excited for day. No, 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 clean the room. If they understand, hey, you gotta clean your room. Mm-hmm. Clean room's good, all this stuff, and they understand. They're like, okay, they don't like cleaning their room all of a sudden, no. but at least they'll suck it up. They'll do it, get it done, do it, it'll be done, and then boom, Disneyland time. See what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that's it's that's why communication is the number one skill set of a good leader. Mm. Like you have to have the ability to communicate, and if, like you were saying, like when you do those, you explain the why, 
and you can clearly articulate that to your people, they may not like what has to be done, but they understand it. And then they can actually get on board. And then if you can drive ownership down to them in regards to what we're doing and why we're doing it, then there's gonna be less pushback, more buy-in. And a great example of that is like, hey, here's what we gotta do, here's why we gotta do it. How do you guys wanna get it done, right? I mean, that's something that I use almost 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. Like, hey look, I know there's a lot of debate about us doing this thing, here's why we gotta do this thing, let me know how you guys wanna do it. But we gotta get it done. Like, that's just that's just good leadership right there. And, and the point is there that the, the relationship part of it mm-hmm. gets maintained. Even though they're doing stuff they don't wanna do, yep. you told them to do stuff they don't wanna do, they gotta suck it up. Like, even with like kids, for example, like, the, you know, dessert, right? Mm-hmm. You're the dad who says no to dessert. Like, oh, man, yeah. they're not gonna like you, you know? <laughs> yeah, you think. <laughs> So you think, oh, these kids, they're not going to like me. I'm going to say no to their dessert on the weekend. Oh, my gosh, you know. But if you explain to them, here's one a little hack. You can borrow it. I mean, I'm sure you're a little bit more advanced mm-hmm. than me. But for anyone listening who might want to use this one, this works. Be like, hey, um, I don't know. What's unhealthy? Freaking donuts. Uh, sugar cookies. Donuts, for donuts. sure. But donuts aren't for dessert. Yeah. People have them for breakfast. Cupcakes. So, okay, cupcakes. Good one. So cupcakes, um, you know, for, oh, what? No cupcakes. And be like, hey, why? Oh, why are you not going to let us have cupcakes? That's what they're focused on, right? You didn't let me have mm-hmm. this pleasure, cupcakes. Be like, hey, we hey, we know how bad cupcakes are. You know, nobody's perfect. I get it. But we know how bad cupcakes are. Would I be a good dad if I just willingly gave you these unhealthy cupcakes? Would that make me a good dad? very hard to refute that for little kids a little bit older kids they might be more clever they might think up some stuff but little kids it works hey i've here's a mistake i made with my kids it's just like (laughs) good one to remember too it's a little hint is i've done the like i'm taking ownership and been like listen obviously i haven't done a good job explaining to you why this is important or something like that Mm -hmm. and like my, my oldest daughter when she was younger she'd be like I'm not a bad person, like <laughs> as if I'd be like, I'd be like, you know, hey, obviously I haven't done a good job explaining the importance of whatever. Mm-hmm. And she'd be like, dad, I'm not like a bad person. Like you don't have to say that as if you have failed as a father, because that's right. the way I would make it sound. Yes, that makes sense to me completely. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, I, I get it. Didn't I'm, you get scolded for like the type two diabetes speech or something you'd give to your kids? Didn't I get scolded? Yeah, like by your wife. Probably. Or somebody. Uh, but I, I'll tell you, I would give the type two diabetes speech to my kids. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, oh, you want a cupcake? Cool, you want that type two diabetes yeah, yeah, too? Yeah, like, exactly. I must have said that a lot when they were yeah. growing up. So, okay, so here, and as funny as that is, like the serious part of that is, I mean, obviously that's partially joking, the way you always do it or whatever. You might go a little bit too hard for some people, I get it, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, I recognize it, so. Well, earlier on this podcast, we were talking about, oh, you didn't clean your room? Cool, you don't eat. Or whatever, you don't help clean it up, you don't need, right. we're gonna get some shit on that one. I guarantee yeah. you, people are gonna be like, you're the sick person. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's more to it. You yeah. know, like some yeah. kids, they're kind of picky eaters and they'll just yeah. starve themselves. They'll be like, whatever, starve myself. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, they're losing weight. And, and look, there's, it's nuanced. Well, hold on, yeah, this isn't what it, That's not what we're talking about. about. We're not no. talking about a kid losing weight because they didn't clean up the dishes at lunch <laughs> yeah. and now they're not getting dinner. That's what We're going into a whole different realm right no, now. No, 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 the, the point I'm making is there's more to it than just like, okay, you don't eat. You know, there's, there's, there's it's a it. process. Okay, so the so you going no, but just for the record, yeah. none of my kids have ever lost weight yes, I because that. I freaking yeah. uh, guilt trip them. Yes, I understand fully, but and that's part of the point. Like different families are different, different kids yeah. are different than your kids. For you know, right, right, specifically right. whatever environment. Yeah, about. you know, there's gonna be yeah. adjustments. And, and by the way, there's all there are you know people out there that 
they need to do the opposite. They need to eat, right? They have yeah. like eat, eating disorders and stuff like that, which are really horrific. So exactly uh, right. We have so, to be careful around yeah. this subject. Yeah. So, but the point is, as far as you, you know, halfway joking, you go hard, you know, mm-hmm. all this stuff or whatever, and you say, "Oh yeah, you want type two diabetes?" Blah, 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 you know, every yeah. time, shoot, frick, man, we just wanted a little bit of that frozen yogurt, yeah. you know, to right now, whatever. Yeah. And so, Brad, you don't have to go that hard. So if you go too hard for your kids. I could see, I'm not saying it will, but I could see how that could kind of jam up the relationship a little bit. Could but jam up the relationship. Could get rebellion. Where exactly it's like, oh, right. we're that's just sugar addicts now. It, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying. It really wouldn't be focusing because it's what you're talking about. It's the relationship, right, that you're trying to maintain. Yep. That's why I came up with this clever one. Be like, would I be a good dad? You know, like, because I'm trying to be the best dad. Isn't that what you want? This is, It's hard. I mean, yeah. you get a smart like, like kid, cool. But the kid's not going to be like, no, I don't want you to be a good dad. Yep. So it's like they have no rebuttal, you know. So you say, ah, would I be a good dad if I just fed you this terrible, unhealthy stuff? It's yeah. just really hard to refute, you know. And the, ma- and the relationship gets maintained. Ch- check this out. Here's a hole. You want to open up a can right now? Yes, sir. Here's. Uh, <laughs> I do. No doubt. About check it. this out. Hey, you're supposed to be there their dad or their mom, not their friend, mm. right? This is another one of those things. I and, and look, I get the concept, right? I get the concept because people say the same thing about leadership too. Like, hey, you're not you're you're supposed to be their leader, not their friend. You're supposed to be their platoon chief, not their friend. You're supposed to be their platoon commander, not their friend. You're supposed to be their CEO, not their friend. You're supposed to be their department head, not their friend. This is a very common and there's a common theme of like you're supposed to be their mom, not their friend, or their dad, not their friend. Yeah. And I get it. I get what they're trying to say, right? Mm -hmm. What they're trying to say is like, hey, I'm not trying to make, you know, JP my buddy by being like, hey, buddy, like, I'm your boss, but, you know, can I blah, 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 can, let's, you you can leave work early, like, like, oh, it doesn't, oh, you're my son? Hey, JP, son, uh, oh, you want your buddies to come over and have beer? Cool, I'll have some beers with you guys. That that attitude, right? right? That when people say don't be their friend, that's what they're talking about. Yeah. Like, oh, you you guys want to, you know, you guys want to go see whatever. And I'll take. Oh, guys are smoking pot. It's no big deal, you know. I'm like cool with that. Yeah, like yeah. that's what they're talking about. Right. But to think that you wouldn't want to have a relationship with your kids that isn't like a being a f- their friend is an aspect of it to me is crazy. I'm friends with all my kids. Like my kids are my friends, yeah. like hundred percent. And I, I just want to warn people. And but by, by the way, everyone that works for me, you know, everyone that's my employee, which I never say that. <laughs> but everyone that works in the companies that I own, they're like my friends. There's not like, well, you know, you got to remember I'm the boss here. Never said I've, I've ever said anything like that before. Like that's a crazy thing. No. And for me to, so so I would just keep that in mind. And I, again, I know that there's people right now that are like, oh, I'm going to be a, you know, I'm meant to be the dad, not the friend. It's like, I'm telling you, you can be both. And I would encourage you to be both. I would tell you that there's things that your daughter or son may not tell their father, mm-hmm. but they'll tell their friend. 100%. And so when your kid might be going through some kind of trouble and you know whether they're getting picked on, whether they're having a hard time with something, whether they're like breaking up with their boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever those things are, you're not if you're not their friend and you're just their dad, you might not hear about it. So 
I'm saying there is a element of friendship as a leader. And it's a positive thing, it's not a negative thing. And it's part of relationships, right? The components that make up a relationship in a business relationship are the same components that make up a relationship in a friend relationship and the same things that make up a relationship in a father, mother, daughter, spouse relationship. Trust, listen, respect, influence, and care. That's what a relationship is. Don't you wanna have that with your kids? Don't you want your kids to trust you? Don't you want your kids to listen to you? Yep, you do. Guess what? You better listen to your kids then. But my kid's only nine. He doesn't know anything. Okay, don't listen to him and see how that works out. When your nine-year-old kid has an issue about something, tell him, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. You're too young. That doesn't matter. When your kid gets called a plate face in school and comes home and is a little bit teary-eyed and you say, what's wrong? And you say, I got made fun of. And you go, hey, Shut up, sticks and stones, break your bones, names can never hurt you, don't worry about it. And that's your reaction. I'm telling you, you don't, you're not listening to them. And therefore, guess what? They're not gonna listen to you. Yeah. So this relationship thing is universal. And the better relationships you have with people, the better things are going to be in your life. Mm-hmm. Period, end of story. And it also includes people that you may not necessarily like. So you might work for someone that you don't necessarily like. I work for JP, JP's arrogant, he goes and flies off the handle, he yells at me and the rest of our employees, the rest of my peers. So what do I try and do? Well, I don't like him, so I'm not gonna build a relationship to it with him. Okay, so then where does that get us in life? Do things get better for me or worse for me? Do I have more influence over him or less influence? Can I get him to stop yelling at me when all I do is not listen to him and disrespect him? Nope, yelling is gonna get louder and worse. If I treat him with respect, maybe, just maybe, he'll start to treat me with respect. If I listen to him, he's yelling at me and I get out my notebook and start taking notes. He's like, what the hell are you doing? I just wanna write down what you're saying, boss. I wanna make sure I got this. That's that's an attitude changer. Mm -hmm. Does this make me an ass kisser? Nope, doesn't. Means that I wanna win. Means I wanna improve my situation for me and for my team. That's what it means. So these relationship things, even when it's someone that you might not like. I have worked with a lot of people in my life that I didn't like. I've worked with a lot of people in my life that I didn't like. Jamie and Dave are always wondering if it's them. (laughs) They joke about that. They're like, is it me, is it me? No, it could be, but I'll never tell them. (laughs) You might, you work with people that you don't like. What good is it if they know that? What good is it if you're not trying to build a relationship? The best thing to do is build that relationship and move things forward. You have no influence over people that you don't have a relationship with. They don't listen to a word that you say. So build relationships. This is a winning, this is a way to win. Or you can go through life like, I don't do that. I know who says I don't do that? My ego says I don't do that. My ego says, JP yelled at me, I'm not gonna listen to a damn thing he says. That's my ego. Instead of being like, oh, JP yelled at me, I wonder what kind of bosses he worked for that he thinks that's a good move. I wonder what kind of childhood he had where he loses his temper all the time. I wonder what's going on in his house with his wife and kids where he seems real short with the rest of the team. Hmm. 
I wonder if everything's perfect in JP's life where he's coming into work late, he's mad, he's yelling at people. I wonder if he's just got a great thing going on right now. Like you think through these things and it's really easy to say, hmm, you know what? Maybe I can be a little bit better of a human being here. So prioritize those relationships. Last thing on this list. It's repeat. Once I have run through this checklist loop, I will make a decision and then run through the checklist check, checklist loop again and again. As a leader, I must continually assess these components over and over again and consider the feedback I receive with each decision and how the decisions affect the situation. To do this, I must do two things. Detach and keep an open mind. Detachment is a superpower as the failure or inability to detach causes a failure to see clearly. Don't get too absorbed in any one aspect of the decision. Take a step back and breathe to assess the components of your decision from a broad and unemotional vantage point. And to integrate your observations into your decision-making process, you have to keep an open mind. Keeping an open mind is always a challenge. Outside ideas feel threatening to our beliefs. Don't be intransigent or let those feelings close your mind. Invite those thoughts and recognize that challenges test your ideas and make them better. Open mind and detachment. Two very difficult things for human beings. It's very difficult to keep an open mind and it's very difficult to detach. And in order for this leadership loop, in order to get the feedback, you have to detach and you have to keep an open mind. New ideas, we don't like them. Challenging ideas, we don't like them. Differences of opinion, we don't like them. We literally surround ourselves with people that have the same opinions as us. Go onto social media, who are you following? I'm following a bunch of people that are the same as me. That's what we're doing. What news do I watch? I watch the news that has the same opinion as me. It's like that's what we do. Because our our mind wants to be closed. It wants to just not hear anyone else's opinion. Because we think we're right. So, there you have it. That's a, a little section of this new addition that I added to Leadership Strategy and Tactics field manual. Uh, Pragmatic, it's a pragmatic book. uh, And that's how the book's designed. And you know, you were saying this earlier, JP, talking about referring to books. And sometimes we gotta go back to the book. Sometimes we gotta go back to the book. The harshest example I have of that is the book Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual was coming out. And it was coming out like October 15th, 2017. And I had the book, it showed up at my house, I had boxes of the book, and it was like, you know, was signing them or doing whatever. And Stoner died. Um, and so it's like September 30th. And so I had a whole bunch of, you know, press and all this like trip to the East Coast and all this stuff were that I was doing for for promotion of Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual. And so whatever, that's all happening or supposed to happen. And, uh, you know, Stoner dies. And kind of maybe a day goes by. So 
sort of like all these initial kind of like calls, you know, where all, you know, we're all talking to each other, we're figuring out what's going on, we're starting to plan stuff and and like that time had gone by, that first like day had gone by of where you're kind of in the reaction mode of we have administrative stuff that we've got to do. And then it was, so now like that was gone and it was the first like time where I, I was left alone with my thoughts. And I remember I was in my room, I don't know where my wife and kids were gone or whatever, and I'm just in my room by myself and I'm laying on my bed at, in the afternoon, which I don't normally do, I'm laying in my bed in the afternoon and I started to just freaking go down the 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 spiral of anger and resentment and just unproductive terrible uh darkness and i literally felt the abyss like opening up like dude i'm this is it just it's just all this is all shit it's all dark it's all horrible and i felt that i kind of like felt, felt the draw of that and i like stopped myself and i i actually sat up and i had this big box of discipline equals freedom field manual and there's a whole section in there about death and i had to i i had to i had to open that up and read that section of myself and get a freaking grip on reality. And that's the, that's the way life is. You are gonna need help. You're gonna need reminders. You're gonna need support. And for me to be able to refer back to a book, you know, for that terrible moment in my life, um, that's kind of like what the that's kind of what these books are for, and the 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 leadership strategy and tactics field manual obviously a much more positive book because it's about positive things, it's about leadership, it's about moving forward. But over time, you can develop these instincts, and over time, you can learn to deal with tough situations, but you might get into a scenario where you need some help, you need some support. And, you know, for, from a leadership perspective, that's what that book, Leadership Strategy and Tactics, is about. You might get really good at that leadership loop. When I'm having trouble making a decision, I'll, I'll whip that thing open and be like, hold on a second. Let me think through these steps. If you think through those steps, you get to the end, you're going to have a pretty good idea of what to do. Yeah. So... Leadership strategy and tactics field manual. Sometimes you got to refer, you know. I mean, we referred to the Bible today. It's yeah. a book I'll, many, many people refer to. Yes. Right? There's, you, you can be rooted in things. We need reminders. You have a tattoo on your wrist to remind you of things. You have a hat in your closet from Marco's Pizza to remind you of things. We need to put those things in our lives. And, when we stray, that, that's, that's what happens, right? We stray. 
We stray from what we know we should be doing. We stray from remembering where we came from. We stray from our humility. We stray from leadership principles that we've talked about or lived or read about over and over again. We stray from the understanding of life and death. We stray from these things and we have to bring ourselves back to them. And it's, it's not easy. But this is another part where I think feeling that disturbance in the force. Well, what I talked about, if you have some, uh, for me, if I have some sort of emotional disturbance in the force, I immediately know, okay, this is, a, this is my ego. If I'm having trouble making a decision, if it's not clear to me, okay, guess what? Maybe I need to get out the field manual and go through this leadership decision-making loop. That, that li- just bring me back. So you've got to set these things up. But most important, if you don't, rec- if you don't detach, you won't be able to see what's happening and where you're straying or that you are straying in the first place. You know, when I was sitting there thinking about stoner, I was straying from what I know is the right thing to do in that situation. And luckily, I was detached enough to go, hold on a second, you're not going to a good place right now. Yeah. This is not good. You, you're straying from what you know is good. You're straying from the light and you're moving towards the dark. And this is not good. If you're not detached and when people not, aren't detached, when we watch people go down, spiral into destruction. That could be from a leadership perspective. That could be from a personal perspective. That could be from a family perspective. Most of the time, they haven't had the ability to detach and take a look at themselves and go, what am I doing right now? You know, they always put in a movie scene like a guy looking at himself in the mirror or a woman looking at themselves in the mirror, right? It's like that's where they see, oh God, what am I doing right now? What am I becoming? Or they catch the reflection. That, that we have to do that. We have to look at ourselves and examine ourselves. And you, you have to detach to be able to do that. When, when you're not detached, you're just caught in the moment. You're, doing, you're wasting time. You're doing evil things, right? You read that passage. It's like that's disturbance in the force. We're doing things that we are hiding. We're doing things in the dark. Yeah. And a lot of times, you're, you, you're lying to yourself. You're ignoring the fact that you're wasting time. You're ignoring the fact that you you are doing something you shouldn't be doing. You're doing something you shouldn't be doing. And you're lying to yourself and you don't think anyone can see you. But it's having an impact. And the number one person that needs to see what's happening is you. And if you cover your eyes to it, you're not gonna see it. So keep those things in mind. Don't stray from the path and be aware. I'm telling you, that's the thing is people, they don't make a right turn off the path. They don't, they're not like walking down the path and they take a right turn and then they're off. That's not what happens. They take like a three degree turn and they can't really tell. And they're kind of like, well, you know, it's like I'm still kind of on it. And then they travel more distance and they're not looking around. They're not paying attention. Next thing you know, they're, they're totally off the path and their life is going in the wrong direction.
So find some ways to ground yourself. Find some things, to, some references to refer to. Write things down. Hang things up. Give yourself reminders. Refer back. What did you say? You read a psalm or a, a proverb, proverb a day. Yeah. That's a, a, a methodology, right? Here's a book with timeless information in it yeah. and instruction and guidance. Open it up, read it. It takes you 38 seconds. Okay. We just reminded ourselves where we're supposed to be going. Do that. Do those things to keep yourself on the path in all aspects of your life. Um, probably good on the books, uh, Leadership Strategy and Tactics. Feel me, I'll get it, but brand new edition's out. It's got a cooler cover too, by the way, Echo Charles. Black edition. Agree? Yeah, yeah, I like it. The original edition was Olive Drab, O.D. Green. You know, and then this one, we went, we went uh, black ops tactical. Tactical. The more, uh, it's you know, you know, black is not actually a good tactical color yeah. in most cases. Actually, you know where I got the year watch RoboCop, not the old school one, the newer one. I did not Michael watch Michael Keaton. He was no. like, when they were formulating the RoboCop suit, mm-hmm. suit which is classically silver mm-hmm. or stainless steel, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Keaton was like, um, oh. Uh, I, I mean, we need to change it from the silver. Is there anything a little bit more tactical? Mm-hmm. But black. So that's where I got it from. Yeah, they went black, but yeah, black. It, it black stands out a lot. I got you. In I nature. understand. Yeah, yeah, I think this the, to us, no, what do you call them, normies? People mm. not in the game or whatever. Well, like we just we just feel like, oh, it's at night, black. You know, can't see you. It's more tactical. Mm. I don't know. Check. Anyway, please continue. Yeah, but this one is black. I can say tactical, maybe it's not the best tactical color, but it's the coolest color. It's dope. Let's face it, that looks cool. And it's got the night vision green on it too, yeah, which actually looks that. really cool. Yeah, I like that a lot. So that's the expanded edition. I always refer people to page 157, 158 in Leadership Strategy and Tactics Field Manual. It's like the 12 list of 12 things to do as leader. What's yeah. going on, what are you doing? No, 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 these two are different. Right well, now. okay, so the one that you have in your left hand yeah, yeah. is a fake copy. Okay, gotcha. It was, a, it was a, like the- a, like a proof copy of what the cover was gonna look like. Yeah, yeah. But you can see the, the fake one is glossy, yeah. the real one is a little bit more matte black. Yeah, that, yeah that's dope. So, that's cool. there you go. Um, JP, you got other stuff going on right now. Obviously, you got all your stuff at Echelon Front going on. Yep. Uh, running the training, you're the chief chief training officer there, which puts you, like you've already talked about, the FTX, you've got the battlefield events, you've got yeah. the council. Building um, out a training facility. Leif and I have been talking about that yep. recently and, you know, driving that, you know, Cody, Danny, Justin, I know Justin's working right now on building out like the specs for kind of what we want, trying to get an idea, mm-hmm. you know, working with Mike and our, you know, our accounting department of, uh, okay, hey, what is this training department going to look like, or like a, a training location where people can come and not just only have access to our, our, our field training exercise, but having a nice, awesome training facility with classrooms and being able to host and facilitate all aspects yep. of the training that we do at Echelon Front. I mean, I guess the only thing that we couldn't replicate would be a battlefield review because, mm-hmm. well, yeah, we're you not going to be on the battlefield. You got to be on the battlefield. But these but, days, with some of the uh, technology that's out there, yeah. being able to give really good briefs and vantage points and 360 degree like the camera that you have uh echo tells we could walk someone around an entire battlefield 
No problem, actually. Yeah. And it'd be virtual, but dude, it'd be. F- so we got all kinds of stuff. We're working yeah. there. And then, so you, so you got, you mentioned it earlier, the JP Dinell podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, started, it actually came out today. Today, uh, it's really, um, um, you know, had it to where every Friday it's going to launch. We're on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you guys want to check it out, uh, you know, and, you know, if, and if you like it, like subscribe to it, you know, leave us a comment, leave us a review. Um, but yeah, the, the purpose of me starting my own podcast was what we've been talking about today is just to provide value. It's just my perspective my insight on what we do at Echelon Front, you know, to share the stories from me growing up as a kid, the lessons that I learned from my childhood, um, and also like the lessons and stories and experiences I had from being in the military, specifically in the SEAL teams. Um, you know, when I got out, you know, which I know we've covered a lot of those stories over your podcast, uh, but just to be able to elaborate and just, as we say, pull the thread on different mm-hmm. stories that I have from my life, my perspective on, on things. And the, again, just pulling it all back to what we teach at Echelon Front. My, my, my intention is to provide value to people through the lessons that I've learned, the experiences that I get to have because of what I get to do at Echelon Front, to share people's stories, pull the leadership lessons out of people's stories and tie it back into what we do at Echelon Front and uh, just, you know, also be able to share my faith and, and, and just have a, um, have a different platform that it just hopefully reaches more people to uh, provide value and bring them back to what we do at Echelon Front. And, um, you know, my, my buddy Lucas is, you know, producing and hosting and co-hosting it all with me. It's I met him because of the Jesus and Jiu-Jitsu podcast that I do mm-hmm. with my buddies, Stephen, Isaac, and Josh. And it's a he literally does everything. And I remember when I saw, like, the place that we record, it's in – they converted a room in their church. You know, he's mm-hmm. a pastor of a small Baptist church in, in Denton, Texas. And he created this when COVID hit for it, it, Hey, it's a way for us to get the message out to different people and provide value to people. Mm-hmm. And, um, anyways, the guy's awesome. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see, he doesn't, he does not look like your typical pastor. He's got long hair, beard. He looks like a biker, like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you know, it's just, it's, it's a cool opportunity. And I'm, I'm thankful that I have someone like Lucas to be able to do this. Cause there's zero, zero percent chance. I'm going to be able to do all the things that he does. Like, I mean, could I learn how to do it? Yeah. Could you learn how to do all the things echo does? Yeah. But oh, yeah, obviously, <laughs> but when we look at a priority, <laughs> he just presses time, record dude. Dude doesn't do jack. And it just magically uh, is uploaded. Right. And then, messed up. while you said that so quickly. <laughs> like, immediately. <laughs> but you act like you're shocked and surprised. <laughs> it's like, I already the knew. The quickness was pretty impressive. It was impressive. Bro. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I'm you're very impressed with how quickly I can insult you. <laughs> You're just ready. I just oh, good times. Um, so yeah, I'm thankful for that. And then um, you know the other things that we've talked about before. Uh, Little Cattle Co. launched a few weeks ago. Beef company I'm doing with Stephen Little, and that's been awesome. And then um, so where do people go to get that? Littlecattle.co. So littlecattle.co. It's just our name okay. as a, a way. So Little Cattle Co. is the name of the company. So you can find us on Instagram, but if you want to order beef, it's littlecattle.co. And what's cool is like, hey, if you just want to order 
two fillets and five pounds of ground beef, you can do that. You want to order. We, uh, we had somebody recently reach out and uh, you know, they wanted to order a bunch of ribeyes for, mm-hmm. for the team. Cool. Was that so, person named Jocko? <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> I have failed to get you any of the beef yet. We, uh, Hey, when you get an order for 27 ribeyes, <laughs> I'll know, you'll know Well, it's just crazy. I mean, it's only been a couple of weeks and we we're getting everything. Literally Stevens right now getting all of our, our resupply. I mean, we sold out of ribeyes and sirloins and tomahawks and brisket. And I mean, it, it just was, was, pretty cool to see how that happened uh we were able to when we had the the one day ftx's last week in in texas um you know because we wanted to provide you know as we do at echelon front it's like hey you take care of the client provide really good value part of it was like you know we realized on the ftx is like we could increase the the types of meals that we're providing to our clients now the hard part is how do we duplicate this because last week it was good because Steven was out there like uh, cooking hamburgers and sirloin and ground beef for everybody. Nice. So everyone had a half pound hamburger from Little Cattle Co. Uh, sirloin. Even Leif was like, he's like, man, is that ribeye? And Steven's like, no, that's sirloin. He's like, there's no way. I mean, as you know, high quality beef is mm-hmm. different than what people are, are used to. And so uh, it's, you know, it's Texas Black Angus that has no hormones, no antibiotics, no steroids. His uncle, uh, Uncle Rocky, he's been doing this for 30 years. And that's how we have access to all the steers and um, just qu- good quality beef. Um, I didn't know this. This is disgusting. <laughs> but, uh, you know, according to some of the experts out there, when it comes to ground beef that you get from a grocery store or, you know, some of the higher, like, the, the bigger names that prove like in the high volume that you buy in bulk, try not to say names. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have up to a thousand different steers that you at ground beef is being combined mm-hmm. to make your ground beef, mm-hmm. which that is increased the risk for cross contamination and all this other stuff. Um, our ground beef comes from one steer. It's not even mixed with the four steers that we slaughter at a time. It is all, it's from that, that, that chuck roast and the fat, like it's good quality, high quality ground beef, mm-hmm. big difference, like a big difference as you can tell, um, as I know, you know, you're in the beef game, you know, yeah, sure. and you understand the value of like that high quality beef and, you know, S- Steven and his uncle Rocky, you know, handling all the, um, the business and, you know. Of the, of the steers and the beef, and then Tyler and I, um, you know, we invested into the company and helping with the business aspect of it. And it's cool that all of our families are involved in the night before we, you know, um, started fulfilling orders, like all three of our families were up there and we prayed over the warehouse and we prayed over the orders and prayed over our customers because we also understand that this is an opportunity that we get to, to serve other people through our products. And um, so I'm thankful for that. And Man, it's it's been really cool to see how it's. Uh, I mean, God's definitely blessed the business already, yeah, which awesome. has been great. And then um, the other thing that we've talked about is, you know, the the on the path printing that Josh mm-hmm. and I've been doing, and um, you know, both of us, you know, we just it couldn't make it as a it wasn't a top priority, and that was hard for us because our ego wanted it to be, hey, done, 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 and but we really both had to step back and be like, okay, hey, what are the other priorities that we have going on in our life, and. I also had to listen to people that were like, hey, man, you got a lot of stuff going on. I'm like, yeah, I know. And then I realized, I'm like, okay, are they saying that because they're envious or are they saying that because they care about me? And I realized that the people were saying it was because they cared about me and they were seeing something that I didn't see. And I, Josh and I had to put on the path on the back burner okay. because it wasn't, you know, could we have made it happen sooner? Yes, but mm-hmm. it would have impacted other stuff. And as you said, Hey, a lot of stuff going on, including what we do at Echelon Front. Echelon Front is my number one. 
it is my number one. And I had to reiterate that to most people, the reason why I'm doing my own podcast is to provide value and bring people into the ecosystem that we have with Echelon Front, Origin, Jocko Fuel, and yes, the other things that I do, the ministries I help out with, you know, my buddies, you know, Walking in Truth Ministry, those pursuit events, Jesus and Jiu Jitsu. I'm trying to help, but my main focus is always going to be Echelon Front. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and I think I, I share this with you. Uh, if not, well, I'm sharing it with you now. It's, I also realized um, if something was to happen to me, What's my family have? I mean, I know you mm-hmm. and Leif would take care of my family. I was gonna say you don't gotta worry about it. No, I know, I know, I know, but but I hear you. The I reality you. of that is, at what point? I mean, I know I have investments, and Amanda and I, we've been good stewards with our money. God has blessed us. We tithe as an act of worship, and we also are uh, trying to be good stewards with our money in regards to investing and and and, and saving. But if something was to happen to me, what would my family have? Now, my, my wife, she's a rock star. She's mm-hmm. gangster. She'll make it happen. I don't want to put that burden on her and the kids. And so I, I looked at Little Cattle Co. as because I knew the intent that Stephen and his wife, Amanda, had was it's a legacy play. You know, they're not building it to be able to sell it. Now, we all say that, and they could, hey, some company comes in and is like, hey, we're going to give you $100 million for it. I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, Stephen, we need to have a conversation, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could probably take care of your family with some of that money. Yes, <laughs> yeah, my, my equity would probably turn out to be very well. But it was looking at it from a different perspective of like, hey, I love what I do at Echelon Front. I mean, you guys provide for me, you guys take care of me, and you bless me for sure. And I know you guys would give me the opportunity to earn it, but I wanted to look at, you know, these different things as a, hey, if something was to happen to me, or let's just say I couldn't, like something happened to me and I couldn't continue doing what I do at Echelon Front, how do I ensure, um, like, uh, stability mm-hmm. for my family? Like, how do I provide stability for my family? And I was like, okay, well, Little Cattle Co. is an option. On the Path Printing is an option. The investment that I made into Jocko Fuel is an option. Other companies is an option. Uh, and so it's a lot of little different things that mm-hmm. if something was to happen, my family still has stability to where I'm not a burden. Like I never want to be a burden. Mm-hmm. And I've been a burden in the past because of stupid decisions. And I'll never, never, I don't ever want to put my family in that position again, ever. Yep. And so just trying to be uh, diligent and a good steward of what God has given Amanda and I. And that was for me, Little Cattle Co. on the path. I mean, without, I hope it's very apparent, everything that you guys allow me to do at Echelon Front, but then Origin and Jocko Fuel and other companies I've been able to put funds into. Um, you know, for me, it's, um, I just want to be um, a good steward of what God's given me. Yeah, well, no, that's friggin', of course. That's like uh, yeah. always got to be a priority. Well, I, actually, let me take that back. It's not always a priority because at a certain point, we are in life and we don't have the luxury of being able to think that way. Yeah. And you know, if you look at you eight years ago, survival, you were in survival mode. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's the way a lot of people live. And so it's awesome that you can now like look up, look out and be like, okay. And it wasn't an overnight thing. And that's why I try to explain <clears throat> to other people who are in hard, like tough situations. Like I'll tell them, I'm like, hey, you're living my life that I was living, you're living the life that Amanda and I were living six and a half, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Right now, I have friends right now that are just, ooh, it's tight. And yeah. I'm like, hey man, 
keep the main thing the main thing. Yep. Don't keep don't get distracted. Just keep like doing what you're doing. You're on the right path. You know, just it takes time. Like the what I've been able to do took time. And but it, it seems like this. Mm-hmm. It seems like this because all like my buddies, my friends that I'm talking about, mm-hmm. they remember that mm-hmm. they re, they were a part of those times, and now it's like, hey, this this took some time, and you and Leif both said that to Amanda and I. You're like, hey, this is this going to be you know three to five years of grinding it out. We build a team, and I built that team at the mm-hmm. five year mark, like we kind of thought we were, and then it's like, hey, there's still going to be another three to five years of grinding it out after you build the team mm-hmm. to get us where we need to be to where we can be more strategic and. Yep with that with the whole discipline equals freedom mindset that you have in the manual that you gave amanda and i were very disciplined with our finances um you know we we weren't in a rush to buy a house the house that we bought it was a it was a blessing for sure we did it over a handshake with this guy mm-hmm. and it's funny like there's some things that are coming about that were like oh, you know we got to work through these things with this new house but it's like hey that's just part of owning a home mm-hmm. and we also understand that it's hey you know what because we've been diligent with our savings we can like we're not stressed. oh like you got you've got some some uh surprises with the house surprise <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you know and i'll tell you what like you know what you're talking about is like that uh, like that that feeling creeping in earlier and and you know it's everything that we deal with in life is spiritual warfare man and you know I started to kind of go down this bad rabbit hole of thoughts towards this guy that bought our, that sold the house to us because I was like super frustrated with some of these things that were popping up. And then I had to, and then I had to remind myself of the conversations that I had with the guy. I mean, when we walked through the house, they were praying, they were playing praise and worship music. And I noticed that I'm like, Hey, I like the music that you're playing. He goes, yeah, it's my wife said, if somebody doesn't want to buy our house because of the music, then they don't deserve to buy the house. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. And then the fact that the guy honored, like when I, we, we got to the end of the house and I'm looking at, I'm like, man, it's a beautiful house. I've sent you pictures. You've seen it. You're like, it's man, awesome. it's, it's, it's amazing. And I remember looking at Amanda and well, cause I asked the guy, I'm like, Hey, what's the next steps? And I'm like, we're literally looking at, there's people outside the gate waiting to come look at it. We mm-hmm. are the first people. And he said, well, you know, talk with your wife. And if it's something that you guys think you like, just make an offer this weekend. Well, I knew the amount of people that'd be looking at this house. And I look at Amanda and she just like tears in her eyes. I'm like, I'll get my checkbook ready for this one. And, you know, cause we had lost a lot of houses from out, being outbid and yeah. people coming in with cash deals. And I, I mean, I was talking to you constantly like, yeah. hey, what do I do now? And Leif, what do I do now? And every little black belt move that you guys had for real yeah. estate, it just, it just wasn't working. And I, Amanda and I both had to understand like, okay, then this isn't, this isn't the home that God has intended for us. And what I was able to do was, you know, look at Amanda and realize, okay, cool. She wants this house and we're talking and <laughs> She I can had, picture Amanda just like tear. You're like, how do you like it? She's just like, can't even just, talk. Yeah, just tears in her eyes. And she's like, it's, you know, and, I, and so we, you know, talk back and forth. And I just, it was cool because I just looked at the guy and I said, sir, can I buy your house? Which I know is like in real estate, you don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, what was cool is he was a listing agent and it was his house. So I was able to have, it's just a unique, amazing opportunity. He puts his hand out. We shake hands. He goes, the house is yours. Damn. And now he knew that we had lost other deals and he said, the house is yours. And he goes, I just need to figure out what I'm going to, you know, what I'm going to tell these people waiting out there. I was like, oh, I can handle that one. Like just joking. <laughs> He's like, no, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to let them look at the house. He goes, I'm not going to lose my integrity over a dollar. He goes, this house is yours. 
I'm, oh. ha- I'm, I'm looking forward to you like raising your family in this home. So I have to remind myself of that mm-hmm. because if this wasn't the house that God wanted Amanda and I to be in, he wouldn't have opened up all these doors. This wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. This guy easily could have been like, hey, place your offer. Yep. We'll see how it goes out. Knowing, and and I'll tell you what, the, the vehicles that were parked out front, if that yep. was a representation of their livelihood and bank accounts, mm-hmm. I wasn't playing in that room. There's Bugattis out there. <laughs> it wasn't happening. Have you seen the Lambo SUV? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was parked out there. Damn. New new Porsche SUV, a brand new Raptor truck. I'm like, who is this group of mm-hmm. people? Couldn't have played that game. But I just have to remind myself, like, okay, these things mm-hmm. happen for a reason. So while we're working through these little things, I you know what's cool is full circle. Amanda, today, uh, the people are coming to check out some of the stuff. It's one of the companies that Groundworks just acquired. Sweet. One of our clients, they're going to come check out our foundation and the <laughs> broken retaining wall in front of the house. And... <laughs> We're going right to find on. some solutions and right work through on. it. First world problems, because my worst day is somebody's dream. Yeah. You. Think about what I'm talking about yeah, right yeah. now. <laughs> there's a family listening. There's some guy listening yeah. who his family's living in an apartment, which there's nothing wrong with that. Been there, done that. Who's going, you know what, JP, I'd love to be in that house. And I know that, and I respect what you're doing, mm-hmm. sir. I've been where you're at. I'm not saying any of this stuff to brag or anything else, but it's just, just to remind people, mm-hmm. like, hey, man, just keep keep pushing forward yeah and i and also as a reminder to myself hey my worst day is somebody's dream i've got a Hell yeah. i am i am blessed beyond belief right now yo what's that what's the swimming apparatus at that thing like it's like a pool but it's not what no, is it's that a thing? spool it's not a spa and it's not a pool this is what the guy called it no because i remember i was like I was like, oh, yeah, it was a pool. And you're like, no, it doesn't have a pool. And I was like, oh, okay. The next thing I see is a picture of your kids in a pool. And I was like, yo, what, are you, what is yeah, this? Yeah, I, I clearly didn't communicate right. that properly. Because actually, our real our realtor almost didn't. Renee Powers, shout out to Renee. She's a phenomenal agent. She almost didn't show us a house because she knew how small that uh, the body of water was. Uh-huh. <laughs> because we'd go look at other houses. And they're like, yeah, this is our pool. And I'm like, no, that's a hot tub. Uh-huh. Like, don't try to <laughs> sell me that this is a pool. If I'll, Hey, if I'm buying a house with a pool, I want a pool. Yeah. I want it to be legit. And it's just one of my things. I wanted a space for a gym and a pool. I got the space for the gym. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's attached to the guest house, which is crazy. It's on two <laughs> acres. Um, and, but the, the guy, Dave, who sold us the house, he just had this like authority when he said it. He goes, and this is my spool. I didn't want a pool. Mm-hmm. It's not a pool, but it's bigger than a spa. I call it a spool. And I'm like, is the water hot or cold? Both. Okay. Whatever so it's you like, choose. Okay. Yeah. So, so it can be chilled or it can be heated. At the same time? Is it separate it at all? It's just forth. one temperature. It's whatever thing. you want. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. You add a couple 20-pound bags of ice from Bucky's, it gets cold quick. Mm-hmm. Right <laughs> it's on. It's awesome. Right on. Yeah, it's, it's I, rad. I was uh, shopping for a house years ago, and there was a house that came up. And I was like, bro, this is like, I told my wife. My wife was like, you, you need to, like, same thing, like, tears, like, you need to make this happen. I'm like, I will make this happen. So we go look at it, and I'm like, yep. And I told the realtor, I'm like, hey, like, we don't need, she's like, we well, don't want to think about it. I'm like, nope, don't need to think about it. Like, we're ready to rock and roll. And they're like, well, you know, like, we're going to show it this weekend, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll, you know, we'll put together an offer letter, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, so then, like, I get home, I write a letter to the owner of the house. You know, I like Google it, find out, blah, blah, blah. I write her this letter, you know, you know, ma'am, I just wanted to let you know we came and looked at the house. It's incredible and we're from here and we, you know, this is, I got the kids and we want to raise them here and they blah, blah, blah. Just this really nice, you know, kind of uh, 
heartfelt letter and just, you know, I would really appreciate your consideration. I'm, I, you know, I just retired from the military, blah, 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 blah. The whole nine yards. And uh, they took a cash offer from someone else. I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> that happened to us literally the week of this. Yeah. The week of, I wrote a letter, Amanda wrote a letter, oh, our, all of our kids wrote letters. Like just, mm. I mean, you know, my kids were like, this is a two. JP's is got a, his kids writing letters. Oh, Next level. They, yeah, they had five letters that came. Our, our daughters, Cora Nola drew pictures of the oh, house and like God. all this stuff. And I thought the same thing, like that house, I'm like, this is, and it's still, that place was gorgeous. Yep. Um, and it just, and even the owners, yep. owners told our realtor, they told Renee, like, hey, we really like this family. Mm-hmm. Like we want this family. And then whoever it was that came in and got the house, they just came in with a yep. cash deal. And yep. I'm like, congratulations to you. Yeah. Congratulations. The, the, the moral of the story, well, not the moral, but the finishing of the story that I just told is that house that I, that we had written these letters and I was like really wanted. Yeah. We didn't get it. And then like three weeks later, the house that I have. Oh yeah. That's, so it was nice. just like, and cra- it was, you know, crazy that the, that it went the way it did. But it's the way things work, you know? Yeah, and, and I even told him, man, I'm like, hey, like, how much over this asking price would would you have wanted to go for us to get the house? And so we were talking about that. I'm like, okay, so even the repairs that we have to do, mm-hmm. even if this stuff isn't covered by warranty, which the house is less than three years old. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So foundation problems, guess what? Warranty, 10 year warranty on foundation. So we're not gonna come out of pocket. It, when Groundworks company that they acquired, whatever one in Dallas that we're working with, they come in and they have to do work, they deal with like whoever did it. Like we don't have to pay. And I even told her, I'm like, okay, hey, because I thought I was like, oh, we're gonna have to pay all this stuff out of pocket. I'm like, good Lord. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I told her, I'm like, hey, even if we go up to that amount, we're still good. And my mindset, I was talking, we had a bunch of guys over from church. We did a little Frogman Friday at mm. workout at my house where we just crushed everybody. It was cool. They came over, they prayed over the house, the property and everything else like that. And we did this awesome workout. And I was talking with one of my pastors, Pastor Drew. And I was just like, yeah, you know, like, I don't know what we're going to do with this. I was explaining it. I mean, you pull up in my house, you see the broken wall. Mm-hmm. It's a bro. It's not cracked. It's a broken retaining wall. Mm-hmm. You see it. It's very obvious. And, you know, a couple of guys. Asked and it me, wasn't like that when you bought it? Nope. Damn. They stopped watering the month that they did the lease back. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that this is what caused it. However, comma, mm-hmm. like if you don't water your your property in Texas, it dries up quick and it's going to cause these issues. Okay. Like the retaining wall like cracked and broke mm-hmm. and it just doesn't matter what we've done. Like it hasn't been fixed. But yeah, there was no issues when we bought it. The month that they did the lease back there, there, they stopped watering. And then a lot of these foundation things yeah. started to happen, but whatever. I mean, they didn't do it on purpose mm-hmm. clearly. Mm-hmm. And I was, but I was talking with pastor drew and pastor Tyron about it. I'm like, well, you know, worst case, like I have some, like, dude, we got a great deal in the house. There's equity in it already. If I had to take out a loan, I'm just going to redo the whole retaining wall and the backyard and create the most epic backyard pool setup that I liked where it's what we want. And I never have to like, like sure. cool. Why would I take a vacation when I have this setup? Mm-hmm. You know, so so if, good. Yeah, we're Retaining good. Retaining wall broke. Good. Good. <laughs> Build the backyard you want. When you talk, <laughs> when you're talking about how much money uh, your wife is willing to spend, we kind of had we were having this random conversation with my whole family. We're talking about like my dog, and like, well, how much we? Because one of our friends had a dog get sick, something. Spent a bunch of money on it, and so the conversation starts getting fired up with my. Well, what would you spend? What would you spend? Don't ask me that question. So my wife. My uh, like one of my kids. Well, what about you, mom? And my wife's like, 
I consider Odin one of my children. Oh, I was shit. like, oh no. I was like, oh no. It's like, that's, that's a big ass price tag, bro. Yeah, I consider Odin one of my children. I'm like, okay, so let's hope this, let's hope this dog doesn't get too sick or I'm gonna be freaking broke. That's Dude, what's going down. that sucks. <laughs> Mine's like, what's the price of a nine mil round? Check. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. I'm just saying, like, right it's, a, it's a dog. I'm just kidding. Somebody's losing their mind yeah. over that comment, right? Yeah. I'm kidding. Somebody definitely is. You're kidding. Check. Don't watch the YouTube right now. <laughs> <laughs> My facial reaction. Did we? What else? We cover everything. We up to speed. We got. Um, we got the stuff done. Hey, if people are coming to the muster in in October and mm. they want to hang out, we're actually doing a Jesus and Jiu Jitsu event the Saturday after the muster. So October 21st. Okay. In Dallas. This is in Tejas. In Tejas. And right it's going to be no gi. Right on. We usually do gi. This will be no gi. So it'll be easy for people to travel with rash guards and shorts. And Stefan Banta, who is the number one ranked brown belt in the world, is now a black belt under Joao Rocha. He's going to be teaching the seminar, oh, no, which is rad. Where is it going to be? Is it going to be where we do the muster stuff or is it going to be somewhere else? No, Some that academy? would have been cool. Yeah. But that would have cost us a lot of money. You know, we're a ministry. We don't have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, but it's going to be at uh, Double Five Mid-Cities. Okay. So one of the affiliate gyms. How big is Double Five Mid-Cities? Uh, I'm just thinking that when people hear this, I mean, if that's the problem, is there a we, sign up thing or is no, this it's all just hands? Any, all hands, like, hey, just first show up. For, it's free. Have fun, JP. I mean, cool. No, that would people. be, hey, if we had it to the point where there's so many people that we couldn't do jujitsu and we had to rotate people out, mm -hmm. I, I mean, that's a great problem to have. Cool. Um, I just, I, you know, I did think about, like, oh, maybe we could host it. Hey, hey here's the deal. If I get hundreds of messages on Instagram we'll and our out. Jesus and jujitsu, uh, page gets hundreds of messages, then I'll do something to raise some money to where we can rent out mat space. I, I, we'll, we'll figure out something. I don't, I mean, who knows? Yeah. If that happens, that's a good problem and we'll work through it. But so yeah. free jujitsu and Jesus seminar. Yep. October 21st okay. in Dallas, Fort Worth. At and that's double after, five mid cities. Yeah. Muster's already sold out. I mean, we have the San Diego muster coming up, but it's selling out quick too. So just be advised of that. Um, so cool. There you go, JP. Uh, what else we got? We got Jocko Fuel, obviously. We got Hydrate. We got Greens. We got Jocko Go, which I've drank in one and a half at this point in time. We also got. Uh, what else we also got? That new pre-workout. Oh, the new pre-workout. <laughs> the new pre-workout. Look, I know you're a pre-workout guy, right? <laughs> Let's go. And. I have now been toying with it, right? Because yes. it's crazy. Experimenting. Bro. With it's crazy. Yeah, it's it, it, it's crazy, but it's freaking damn, dude. I only drank one go during this in case I was gonna get like a little dry scoop hitter of that pre workout. Dude, I didn't know. It's it's no joke. It's so good. Um, so that's the we got we got the pre workout that's out. We got Mulk, which is a godsend. Yes, it is. Where else can you just get thirty grams of protein in? Less than 30 seconds. Yeah. Less than 30 seconds. Yeah, see, and I did notice that too recently where, you know how like, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've downed a, the RTD ones, right? Mm -hmm. You've downed a whole one in one one hit, right? For sure. Okay, so I've never done that with okay. any other protein drink. Okay. I've done this probably 50% of the time <laughs> with this one. For real. Because it's a... Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, maybe they're just smaller. I don't know. Maybe. But it, it's because it tastes good. And here's another hack. 
don't know if you'd call it a hack, but you know how like after jujitsu, right? You, you know, you're drinking your water or whatever. You go home and you're like, oh, I'm kind of thirsty for like a water or mm-hmm. cold ice, something like this. Yeah. Bro, try drink a, a milk. Yeah. It's actually kind of like on the refreshing yeah. side, but it it's is. still that hitter. Right, Do so we and I'm going to put me a little on blast mm-hmm. in the Jocko Fuel team. Will there ever be a strawberry RTD? Uh, I think it's on the product roadmap, but you know what is coming? Ooh. Coffee. Oh, that coffee one? <laughs> I tried it when we went to the Origin Summit. Yeah. They had it. Yeah. I've told a few people. I'm glad you said it because yeah. I've been very cryptic when yeah, I talk about it. I don't know if it's it. probably secret. Whatever. I don't know. Sorry. If it is. Wait, um, is it coffee coffee or coffee flavored? It's yes, coffee flavored with mm. caffeine and protein. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's like a what? freaking. Okay. I'm, I'm okay right. with that coming. Uh, before okay, so I don't drink coffee and I don't like coffee, yeah. but of course I had to try it just to see yeah. like what see the deal what is. Yeah. Here's the deal. Here's oh, the deal. So it. Do you know what tiramisu is? Tiramisu, yeah. Hell tiramisu yeah. is good. Tiramisu has some kind of like yeah. coffee in it, right? Yeah. If there's something mm-hmm. in it that's coffee, it's. Wait, what's that other small coffee called? Espresso. Yeah, it's got something like that in it, mm. right? Tiramisu. This somehow tastes like tiramisu. Like right. it tastes that sweet, it's good. So anyways, we got that, that coming. Um, what else? Jocko Fuel. Hydrate. So hydrate, and I told you this, right? I told mm-hmm. you my morning routine, mm-hmm. daily, mm-hmm. non-negotiable. Hydrate creatine. If you're doing a workout first thing in the morning, you add the pre-workout. Yeah. Boom. Right. Report back Dang. with your success. Bro. So you're Tell saying you mix hydrate, pre-workout, and creatine all in one drink? If I'm working out first thing in the morning. If I'm not working out first thing in the morning, it's just the hydrate and the protein. Yes. Or, sorry, hydrate and the creatine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're sure. saying hydrate, creatine, yeah. boom, water, Aiden's easy money. Been, Aiden's been on the creatine mulk train. Oh, and yeah. That kid. Yeah, he is. You're yeah. freaking <laughs> legit. I can't wait. The senior wrestling season. Oh, like, yeah. I am so fired up. It's on. It is on. Yeah. Uh, damn. Oh yeah. Speaking of hydrate, so I was talking to my daughter, my oldest daughter, the other day, and like we were just talking, and all of a sudden, and she was she was coming home from that. She's coming home from jujitsu, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm like saying something. She goes, "Yes," and I was like, "What?" She's like, oh, I had hydrate in my bag. And I was like, yo, <laughs> she's like, I got that little addiction. Yeah, when you get good. done training, yes. bro, when you get done training and you're just, just sweat everywhere. Yeah. So I also travel with them because yeah, oh yeah. travel dehydrates me. I, I think it travel yeah, yeah. dehydrates most people. So I always have one in my backpack and my fanny pack. Like yeah. I, I have a few of those little individual hitters. And bro. it's just, you mix that on the wa- with yeah. your water on the flight. Yeah, you're good. And it's man. kind of a dessert thing too. Again, yeah, like I, juice. it's sweet. It tastes yeah. sweet, and it's freaking good. And, it's got, and also, it's got vitamin C. In it. It's got like 100 milligrams of vitamin C in it too. Mm. So when you're traveling, it's like all good cross part. Anyways, there we go. Jogglefuel.com. Go check it out. Go to Vitamin Shop. Go to GNC. Go to Military Commissaries. Afees. Heb down in Tejas. Mm. Thank you, Tejas people. Meyer up in the up in the Midwest. Thank you all. Crushing. Harris Teeter, Lifetime Fitness, Shields, Small Gyms, uh, Jiu-Jitsu Gyms, CrossFit Gyms, Strength and Conditioning Gyms, just gyms, just people, places where people get after it. If you own one of those, go just email jfsales at jockofuel.com and we'll set up a wholesale account for you. If you go to one of those places and you want it, tell, your, tell the owner. Let's make this happen. So there you go, Jocko Fuel. Get better, get stronger, get faster, get smarter, whole nine yards, originusa.com. You need, get, need to get yourself some American-made gear, jeans, boots. I was just hunting. was un- unsuccessful on my hunt. I did not harvest. 
but I had an awesome time. I was so close to elk. Cam Haynes had he killed an elk. The elk was two yards from him. What? How? Two yards. Because it walked up and couldn't see him because he's in full origin raptor camo. Two yards. Two yards. That's what you know. Two yards. Man, it's on video. The video is not that great. That could have been an awesome hatchet kill. Oh, it could have been. I, it would have been. It, but it's an awesome <laughs> kill anyways. Uh, just freaking epic. Yeah, the, the camera work Rihanna was doing the camera. God bless her. She was doing multiple things. She was calling. She was mm-hmm. filming. She had all kinds of things going on. But it is it is a savage uh, video. And anyways, Cam Haynes, Raptor camo, two yards, elk screaming in his face, kills that thing. Just, he, he said, he said, he goes, that was in self-defense, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been Dude, I, yeah. just freaking frontal shot on an elk. Anyways, Origin wow. USA, check out the hunt gear. Uh, jiu-jitsu gear, obviously. We're doing jiu-jitsu. Get your jiu-jitsu on. Gi, no gi, rash guards, boots, jeans. Uh, that's what we're doing. All made in America. You're not gonna support communism. You're not gonna support the destruction of the environment. You're gonna support freedom. You're gonna support taking care of the environment. That's what you're gonna do. That's what we're doing. OriginUSA.com, go get it. RTX gear too, by the way. Oh yeah, you're wearing that that yeah, uh, thing right there. Yeah. Just also, the, the comfort t-shirt, zone. The, the, oh, it's super comfortable, mm-hmm. but the, also the RTX shirt, mm-hmm. I wear as my undershirt for travel for Echelon Front. Check. So it's perfect, it's the black shirt under my Echelon Front polo. Um, you know, it's an a- antimicrobial. Yeah, we'll Did go I say with that it. Right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Very you said something else, but we know what you were talking Anti- about. Antimicrobial. Funk. Microbial. Anti-funk, yep. right? Oh, yeah. Sure. So it's great because then after I get done, I could take off the polo, travel in it. It still looks professional enough, clean enough to where it's not, it doesn't look like unprofessional. I can get a workout in there with that same shirt later that night yep. and it helps with my packing. Mm-hmm. Do the RTX line. The shorts, Anthony Cronk, he was at Immersion Camp. Yep. He, he helped as an expert. One of my black belts under Formiga. I saw him the other day at the gym and they're Nogi because we got Nogi pants today and yep. tomorrow yep. In, in Dallas. And he's like, bro, I haven't worn any other type of shorts since Immersion Camp. Oh, These yeah. RTX shorts are incredible. Yeah. So You know what's weird about the antimicrobial and anti-stink <laughs> funk? Uh, with the first like set of RTX shirts, and so Pete sends like two to me and two to Kip, and we get them. And like three days later, four days later, like we're on just three of us are on like a call, and I was like, "Yo, my shirt freaking stinks," and Kip's like, "Yo, mine is heinous," and we were like, and Pete's like, "I don't know," and uh, anyways, it turns out the one the initial ones that they sent us were just sewn, but they didn't have like the treatment to it. <laughs> And so they just reeked, bro. I threw it away. But that that anti smell, that anti funk, like material or the the treatment that it goes through is like totally legit. Oh, it's and incredible. if you don't have it, you would have a problem. Luckily, we got it. Yeah. So that's the RTX line. Anyways, Jocko, uh, sorry, OriginUSA.com. Get some. JockoStore.com. Yeah. Named and created by Echo Charles. Kinda. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. What do we got there? Oh, uh, well, you know, we're all representing it in our own way. Oh, no, true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, there we go. So if you want to represent the discipline equals freedom, mm-hmm. which is the roots, the source, like JP there you is go. as well. There you, know? you go. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. We got shirts and hats and hoodies and stuff like that. Uh, a lot of uh, short locker. Reminder. Mm-hmm. Short locker. New new shirt every month. It's the. I think it's the only T-shirts my father-in-law wears. Yeah. My father-in-law, Jeff. He 
He loves all the design. I know I've said this <laughs> same before. Way, Jamie's, Jamie's dad's yeah, the same way. Yeah. Jamie's dad is 100%. Yes. He's, yes. Just, he's just shirt locker all day. Which is awesome. All day. Boy. Hey, is, it, is the shirt that uh, K-Dog was wearing today, was that shirt locker? It said the discipline will not allow this. Sherlock. Is that brand new? Uh, no, two months ago. Okay, bro. Some people around here don't have that. Hey, <laughs> say, some people got it, some people don't. You know? oh, but hey, hey, you determine your own involvement. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> yep, yep. So yeah, if you are involved, yeah, new shirt every month. Check. Designs are good. Last one, yin yang. Oh, Dis- I haven't seen that Discipline one. Discipline freedom, yin yang. Yeah. It's pretty solid right there. Actually, it's not out yet. It's not the first yet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, tip, actually when this comes out, it'll be out. But anyway, we'll see. People seem to like the designs, is what I'm saying. So yes, it's on jockostore.com. If you like something, go ahead, get something. Yeah. Yo, if you need steak, by the way, you got some. we got some options for you. We got primalbeef.com, freaking legit, awesome steak. I, I must have had nine of them in the past like six days. <laughs> yeah, I got mine too, by the way. So the kid, you know what's you know how it comes with dry ice, right? Yeah. You know, a lot of time when yeah. you ship, so it comes kids with like dry, the dry oh, ice. Oh, bro, the kids love yeah. the dry ice. It's like a potion you put mm-hmm. in the water. Anyway, yeah. that aside, the hot dogs. Mm-hmm. Bro, you can tell when it's like a sweatshop hot dog and oh, like yeah. a, a, primal a for beef, real hot dog. A primalbeef.com. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bro, we chopped it up, put it in the chili. Oh, man. So, I don't know how they do it. Yeah, well, I know how they do it. Oh, yeah, the, fi- the fruit finished. Yeah, they got, the all kinds, they got it going <laughs> on. Oh, yeah. They know so we got primalbeef.com. That's in Virginia. We got Colorado Craft Beef, by the way, which is emerging onto the scene. Colorado Craft Beef, another just awesome, awesome ranch with awesome beef. And we got that working. So check out Colorado Craft Beef if, if you need beef. And then finally, obviously, Little Cattle Co. We got some options for steak. Look, you need steak. <laughs> yeah. You need steak. So that's why you think I'm involved in some steak? I, I'm, I'm involved in some steak. We're eating steak. We eat a lot of steak. We're even eating beef hot dogs now. Hell that's yeah. what's going down. Yeah. Putting it in chili, apparently. Actually, it, bro, I, I'm not really that down for hot dogs in general. Mm-hmm. Not because they taste bad. But just like the I scene, don't mind the thing. The whole thing, yeah. the whole idea. Bro, you ever look? You know how the, you know when they say, see how the sausage is made? Oh, bro, yeah, it reason. should be, see how the hot dogs are made. And, bro, it's like 10 and, times worse. And ground beef. That's what I've learned. Like, that's what Steven's educated me on. And and since we launched Little Cattle Co. And, you know, obviously Primal Beef and Colorado Craft. Like, if you're not getting it from these companies, like, your ground beef, like, you, I would be you're just, bro, just do your research. Yep. And you know what? You talk about the, what's cool about this industry. When I first talked about Little Cattle Co., I think that was episode 376. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys from Colorado Craft reached out to me on Instagram. They said, hey, if there's anything we can, Jeff, he was like, hey, yep. if there's anything we can do to help, let us know. And I was like, that's crazy. It just shows you their intent and how cool the agricultural just beef industry is because it's like hey we're gonna help out and instead of having this scarcity mindset it's like no why don't we have the mindset of growing and expanding like our customer base and our reach and and people's knowledge of like hey why it's good to know what's going into your food and into your bodies and you're helping americans you're helping the small you know the smaller companies like you order for our company you know, right now, like Steven and his wife are picking it up and his family mm-hmm. is at the warehouse right now, s- 
stocking the freezers. Like you follow us on Instagram, you'll see like his son Brody is literally going to the freezers and pulling out the orders and filling them up. It's just, it's a really cool thing, yep. you know, and Aiden's going to be working there this, you know, in the evenings in the summer as well. Once wrestling season's over. Well, yes, that's his focus. During wrestling season, he's going to be eating. He's going to be consuming. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's what just What weight cool. is he doing this year? I don't know, man. I think he's What's he walking around at right now? <laughs> in the 190s. Damn, dude. What is he, 6'2"? I think he's 6'2", yes. So, yeah. I don't think he's hit 6'3 yet. Awesome. 6'2". He wrestled at one side. Hang him upside down. Decompress. Let him decompress. But, uh, yeah, the, the industry's cool. And those guys at Colorado Craft, I thought it was really cool how, yep. how nice Just and helpful they great were. Great companies. Just great companies doing the right things for and the same right with reasons. Sean. Since yep. he launched, we launched, it's like, hey, like we're bouncing and stuff. Stuff pass on each other, and it's just, yeah. I, I just, I love it. It's awesome. Yep. Uh, so get your good steak from one of those places. Subscribe to the podcast under to Jocko Underground. Check that out, jockounderground.com. We we control it, so that way no one can tell us what to do. And look, we don't we we don't causing problems over here, but you don't know what's going to happen. So jockounderground.com. Check that out. YouTube. Subscribe to all the YouTube channels. Uh, Psychological warfare. That's still in action. By the way, yes. if you need a reminder, I talked about reminding yourself. There's a reminder for you. Check that one out. It's on uh, iTunes, Google Play, or all MP3 platforms. That's what year true. did that come out? Do you remember? 16, I think. Damn, dude. I was saying I was going to make another one of those, but I kind of stopped saying it. But I do owe the world. Well, I owe I, some people. I feel like just generally speaking, mm-hmm. you're, uh, a lot of the stuff you say, kind. I mean, it's a it's a you know it's a hodgepodge mm-hmm. for sure, but it's uh, it can be used for the same function as psychological warfare. I found. Okay. Okay, well, I like it. That's what we're doing. Flipside Canvas, Dakota Meyer, making awesome stuff to hang on your wall, written a bunch of books. Obviously, Leadership Strategy and Tactics, Expanded dish, black, cool-looking cover. Get it. Order it. Get this information that we talked about today and then all the other books that, that I've written, especially the Warrior Kid books. Get your kids the Warrior Kid books, please. Get your neighbors' kids the Warrior Kid books. That is gonna help them so much. And all the things that you know you should tell your kids to do and that you tell them to do and they don't really listen to you, they will listen to Uncle Jake, proven fact. Proven fact. They don't wanna listen to you, they will listen to Uncle Jake. So get those warrior kid books for all your kids. Echelon Front, you've heard us talk about that today. We solve problems through leadership. All your problems are leadership problems. Go to echelonfront.com, come to one of our gigs. That's what we do, bring us into your company. And also, we have an online training platform extremeownership.com. You can learn these things that we talked about today. You can learn to utilize them in your daily life, in your family, with yourself, with your company, with your business, with your pickup basketball team. These principles are for everything that you do when you interact with other human beings. When you when you are trying to build the relationships when we talked about that we talked about. So go to extremeownership.com. And you can take these courses online. There's free courses on there, by the way. This isn't like, oh, big money grab. No. We just want you to learn this stuff. It's going to make your life better. Yeah. So check it out, extremeownership.com. And if you want to help service members, active and retired, you want to help their their families, you want to help Gold Star families, check out Mark Lee's mom, Mama Lee. She's got an incredible charity organization. Really helps helps out a lot of people that JP and I know personally. We've seen it transform them doing medical treatments that the government doesn't pay for. So hyperbaric chamber, uh, just incredible 
support that she gives. So America's MightyWarriors.org if you want to get involved in that. HeroesAndHorses.org, Micah Fink. Up there in the mountains. He's up there in the mountains right now. He just got done like skinning an elk that he killed with a freaking uh, a, a carved stick. That's what he's doing. But he just got out of the, he did just get out of the field. He took two two groups this this season. Takes veterans up there into the mountains where they can find themselves again. And it's it's helped guys out so much. So check that out, heroesandhorses.org. Also, Jimmy May has got that organization that he started behind beyond the brotherhood.org. Jimmy May helping guys figure out what their next mission is going to be and help them get into that next mission. So there you go, beyond the brotherhood.org. If you want to connect with us, JP is on Instagram. He's on Twitter at JP Donnell, two N's, two L's. And little story behind two N's, two L's. That's what Stoner told me. I was like, I was right, I was about to write your name on something. And I was like, and we got Donnell, and he's like, two N's, two L's. And I, I, I don't know why I remember that, but I just remember him saying, he knew that I wouldn't know how to spell it. Yeah. And he's like, two N's, two L's, check. So that's why I've never misspelled your name. That's amazing. Uh, Echo, is that Echo Charles? I'm at Jocko Willink on the social media things. But just be careful, because the algorithm, the time waster, the, the dark pervert of wasted time, is on there, it's in there, it's in Instagram, it's, it's called an algorithm, and it's got your name, and it knows what you're trying to think about, and it's gonna intercede as much as it possibly can, and waste and destroy your life. If, it, if you let it, if you let it, it will waste and destroy your life. That's what it'll do. It'll send you from one thing to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. Dar- hey, have you ever gotten led out of an Instagram scroll session? Have you ever gotten led out where it's like, hey, this just took me to something that's less interesting than the last thing, so I don't want to look at it anymore. No, it doesn't do that. Every single thing is selected based on the way you look at that screen and how long you look at something. And then it figures out what can entice you, and it shows you like an A, B. Like it first shows you, well, maybe he's going in this direction. Oh, no, he's not. He's going, oh, give him four more of those. This thing is freaking evil. So just, just get off of it. You want to check in, check in, but I'd rather you don't, honestly. I'd rather you don't check in. I'd rather you just do more burpees. That's what (laughs) I'd rather you do. Uh, JP, thanks for coming down. Thanks for uh, joining us. Thanks for everything you've done for me, that you continue to do for me, everything you did for the teams, everything you did for our country, and everything that you're continuing to do now with everything that you're doing, all the lessons that you teach, the principles, spreading the principles. Just thank you. It's uh, Thank you. It'll, it'll always, it'll, it'll never cease to amaze me everything that you've done for me, and I appreciate it. Um, also, thanks to all the men and women out there who are serving right now and who have served. And if I might say so, we didn't talk about this much today, but I want to give a special and solemn appreciation to the snipers and machine gunners, right? Which JP was both a sniper and a machine gunner. And our machine gunners and our snipers kept so many Americans alive with their skills and their tenacity. So special thanks tonight to all you pig gunners out there and all you snipers in the military. Thanks for what you do. (laughs) And also, 
Thanks to our police and law enforcement, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, dispatchers, correctional officers, border patrol, secret service, and all first responders. Thanks for what you do to keep us safe here at home. And everyone else out there. Leadership is hard. Life is hard. And making leadership decisions is one of the hardest aspects of leadership, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. You can follow the protocol. You can check the list. You can go through the loop. You can go to the book. You can refer to the book. You can use the book. And this applies not just to leadership strategy and tactics field manual. Set up those reminders so you don't stray from the path. Refer back to the things that ground you as a person. And then detach, detach, take a step back so you can really see what's happening in the world. Don't get caught up inside your own head. You gotta take a step back. That's what you need to do. And keep an open mind. Closed minds don't make good decisions. Closed minds don't see the mistakes that they're making. So detach, keep an open mind, and lead. And until next time, This is JP and Echo and Jocko out.